We can talk about this. Microphone uh, check. I do this every time. The microphone always works because I check it before. That's a little bit of, you know, okay. behind the scenes for you. But I'm super, super excited. Um, all right, man. I tell my brothers all the oh, I tell everyone all the time that, like, there's certain times when you, like, like just talk to strangers. Because mm-hmm. you never know. And it was funny because we met at Samurai Comics downtown. And I would yeah, yeah. I was just going. I didn't even realize. Well, it was free comics days, my brother's birthday weekend. And so I was like, yo, let's go down there. Let's see yeah, if yeah. we find something you like. You know, I got to pick up some stuff anyway. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, all right, cool, whatever. Like, he didn't really want to go. But I'm like, no, come on. Come on, let's, let's go. And he's yeah. like, all right, fine, we'll go. <laughs> and I met you down there. And I just, your art really, really jumped out to me. And there's a lot of, comics is interesting because, um, and I mean, I know that you're a Lucha Libre fan. And it's kind of mm-hmm. like similar to like modern wrestling. Everybody does cool moves now. Yeah, and yeah. Everybody has good art in comics now. It's not, you know. Yeah, yeah. But then there's something, but it's always that style that I'm just like, hold on, there's something here. Yeah, I mean, let's there's something separate real people out. It, you know, like I was just talking about, you know, draftsmanship versus style the other day with, with a friend of mine, and, and like, I feel like it, it, you know, before when comics were were a newer medium, they were just kind of like their talent pool was pretty limited to like who was in New York City at the time, right? So it was like yeah. you were trying to find the best artist in New York. And sometimes it's like come. just Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and so, um, but, you know, as comics have kind of become international, you know, and, and the world is like nowadays, I could work with a guy in Brazil I've never met and mm-hmm. we could do an entire book together and never actually be in the same space. Or I can hire someone in, in Manila to, to, yeah. to ink my stuff, never actually meet them. And so you're, you know, the the best person in every town is now your competition, right? Like, or not like competition, but they're all, they're all available for work now. And yeah. so I think that, um, you know, draftsmanship or being able to draw something that looks, you know, like it's supposed to, you know, in, in quotation marks is kind of, uh, is, is almost like a given. Like you can make, you can make a, you know, a house look like a house and a shoe look like a shoe, but what you bring to it is the, um, your point of view, right? So right. I, I always say to other artists that like, what I'm selling is point of view. It's synthesis, right? It, it's right. how it's how I choose to draw a shoe. Like it's gonna look like a shoe, whether that be photorealistic or stylized or, or you know a little bit animated or, or uh, you know cartoony to a certain degree. Um, it, it's what I you know what I personally like. How I like to draw shoes right. or feet or whatever. And so um, those are the things that um, like I try to make as personal as possible because I figure the things that are important to me and, and my point of view uh, will be unique to me. And now I'm, now I'm only competing with me for jobs because it's like, I, no, no one can out me, me, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? So like, it's kind of what gets you to a, to a, like a tattoo artist. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, everyone does something, but there's always that little thing that like, kind of like, oh. why does this tip it over the edge for you? And, yeah. and the cool thing, what it, I, I, I'm telling people now because I grew up an athlete my whole life. Okay. And what I'm telling people is like, it's interesting now because as I move more and more into the art world, I'm competing with people less and less. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it is very competitive. Yeah, yeah. But it, I'm competing less and less, and I have to kind of get it out of my head that, oh, I'm the best, I'm the best. Like, yeah. And it turns into, oh, does this fit? Is this what you're looking for? Does this style? And I think that's the thing, too, that is, is getting very interesting. And I'm very excited to see if it's going to travel over to the movies. Yeah, I mean, I because think, I everything kind of um, looks the same right now. I think that that's starting to crack a little bit, it you is. know. With um, I think especially with the stuff that like Taika's doing, and then with Sam Raimi doing like that new Doctor Strange, I think that those kind of more auteur directors are having some room to 
to work in that, you know, uh, in the, the big budget superhero space. And I think that DC has been a little more quick to kind of adapt that, you know, with like, um, you know, like I didn't really care for the movie, but with the Batman, at least it had a point of view. Like there was a distinct I'm a little surprised you didn't like it, but first, but first. Okay, yeah. Because we, we totally jumped in, and yeah, yeah. I like jumping into the conversation because it, it lets people just like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. But let, let's introduce, oh, okay. so, so <laughs> I tell this story all the time. I uh, I coach basketball okay. down, down in uh, Tempe, and there was one season that at the very, very end, the last game of the season, I was like, all right, guys, any questions? Do you, does anybody have anything that they want to go over before the last game? Yeah. And this kid goes, yeah, hey, coach, what's your name? And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, did we not introduce ourselves? Because awesome. <laughs> I was just like, cool, let's go, yeah. like, let's go, let's go, we're, we're doing this. So who am I talking to today? Who, who, who's, oh, who's the uh, guy? I'm Jay Gonzo, uh, writer, artist on La Mano del Destino. I'm the you know, creator of La Mano del Destino. I've also done work for uh, other people. You know, like I did La Voz de Mayo for Top Cow. Uh, I did some of the Cheech and Chong book that just came out through Z2. Just kind of a utility player. Do you like, I, I tend to do um, fun, weird stuff. Throughout the industry, uh, but primarily I'm known for being the creator, writer, artist on La Mano del Lestino, which is a uh, Lucha Libre comic that I've been And that's what to. actually, that's what really jumped out to me the most when I saw it, because I'm a big wrestling fan. Oh, nice, yeah. And, I mean, I, I tell people all the time, my two favorite com- companies were Lucha Underground, Oh yeah, yeah. Rest in Peace, because that was so... It was so weird, and then yeah, yeah, and then I watch a lot of New Japan now just because. Yeah. Listen, if I do where to watch New Japan, I would. So what I end up doing is listening to a lot of uh, uh, wrestling podcasts, and then if something sounds cool, then I go try to check. find it online. Uh, New Japan's been kind of a real uh, blank it's, spot for me, but it's pretty. So they have a website, NewJapanWorld.com, but it's okay. ninety nine. It's nine hundred ninety nine yen. Oh, okay. Which ends up being like about ten bucks a month. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, they don't have a weekly show. They don't have like a Raw, SmackDown, Rampage, yeah, yeah. Dynamite. So, what they do, what they end up doing is like nothing for like a month, and then they'll yeah. have tournaments. And yeah, so it's yeah. kind of cool in that sense, but it it can get overwhelming because there's no behind the you know there's no segments. It's like straight up. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to watch four back to back hours of wrestling? Me, like, <laughs> that's what I love about Lucha Libre. And that's what I loved about Lucha Underground. And I should say that like Lucha Underground and El Rey have, have been very supportive of me and my project throughout awesome. it. It's so, like, yeah, those, those guys have been super cool. And I, and I do even know some of the wrestlers who've worked on, on Lucha Underground. But, um, yeah, I, uh, what I appreciated about that is that it was, um, it was almost more show than it was wrestling, you know, like, yeah. And I was. think that, you know, um, the the stakes are stakes exist for drama, right? There has to be stakes in order for there to be drama, yes. and drama makes for compelling narrative. And so um, they did a really good job at being um, a show that had wrestling, as opposed to being like a wrestling show. Yeah. And and to me, you know, as a Latino, uh, as someone who you know has partaken of telenovelas and stuff, like the kind of operatic tones, the melodrama of Lucha Libre is always something that's been appealing to me. And I think just like culturally, uh, I appreciate melodrama and, and, uh, and operatic tones, um, in a way that, uh, American wrestling used to have, and it's kind of getting back to, there was an era where they're kind of almost embarrassed by it. Uh, and in a way that comic books have had, and then have kind of like the respectability politics of comic book, you know, adaptations have, have had more and more, um, uh, you know, real world intrusions into it where people want to, yeah. uh, people want to, you know, they, people start using the word like graphic novel a lot instead of comic books. And I think that that's kind of a bummer. You know, it's funny when, so growing up, I, I had a lot of friends that we had 
because I grew up in Hawaii. Oh, okay. So, like, we had graphic novels. Yeah. And we had manga. Mm-hmm. And we had comic books. Yeah. And the kind of general consensus was manga comes from Japan. Yeah. Comic books are usually shorter. Yeah. And they come from the United States. Mm-hmm. And graphic novels are typically things that were about novel size. Yeah. And they were full of, you know, like something like yeah. Watchmen. Well, um, so, you know? I mean, you know, if you... So the, the the technicality of it doesn't matter anymore uh, because it, yeah, something it, like uh, you know people will still call uh, you know uh, champagnes from you know from Northern California where where champagne actually has to be uh, from the Champagne region of France. Oh yeah, yeah. Like there's all these like you know <laughs> there's like there's rules and stuff. But if you have a sparkling white from California and you call it a champagne, like no one's going to think twice about it. So like in you know and, and the word graphic novel or the phrase graphic novel comes from Eisner just trying to make a book deal for distribution as opposed to having to deal with <laughs> newsstand distribution that comics had and he you know he created this term but it is a it has become kind of a um uh a way of elevating whatever that form is beyond comic book or trite kind of you know superhero capes and cowls and that sort of thing and so yeah, um yeah. you know people who don't who want to indulge in the medium but don't want to feel juvenile will use it and substitute you know because like uh it seems more important. It's like saying film instead of movie. Like, oh, I enjoy okay. films, I'm, right? And so I, it's I'm kind of become you. that sort of you know tone. But at the end of the day, they're all comic books. It's just a matter of length and how you bind it. If you put a square bind on the end and, and instead of staples, and it's eighty <laughs> pages instead of twenty two, now it you know uh, you know and, and the subject matter isn't capes and cowls, or even if it is, somehow it gets elevated beyond being a newsstand floppy. But you know, I've seen advertisement for like when the Watchmen came out as a movie, they were like based on the award-winning graphic novel. Yeah, And I'm like, no, Watchmen was comics. It came out monthly. It was floppies. It was on spinner racks. It was not... Okay. It was never... I mean, it, it is now a trade paperback. And, and, right. And I feel like... I had seen it when it was already... Collected. Kind of yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it was it was issues that came out monthly. Like, those, those are... That's it, a heavy it, comic it, to read every it, month, Everything, man. yeah. If, if anything is ever a comic. And the same with The Dark Knight. Like, they'll, they'll talk about The Dark Knight as being like a graphic the, novel. Like Dark Knight Rises? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the, Frank, the Frank Miller in 1986, yeah. you know. That was comic issues. Those came out as issues. Like, so... Wow. But, when, you know, because they put a spine on them and they put them in bookstores, you know, like, oh, now they're graphic novels and now they become these elevated things. Now, now, they are great examples of the medium, but they are as much... You know, they're, they're, uh, they're movies. You know what I mean? Like, there is a... Yeah. As much as a, a movie is a movie, you know, um, those are comics that were comics. Like they, they are kind of the the um, exemplar, the the of of what that 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 medium is. Now they're they're great, and they can be. Um, some comics can transcend the kind of um, pedestrian or juvenile even sensibilities of of a medium that was that was aimed largely at children for a very long time. Well, it's kind of like video games in that sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but again, so like uh, the problem with so here's the, the real problem is. In America, the entire country has been conditioned to believe that anything animated or illustrated is for children, and that's just not the case, right? And so, <laughs> have anytime... you seen like Spirited Away? Yeah, exactly. Like, right, Rave right. Of the oh, dude, have like... you seen um, tr- uh, Perfect Blue? I mean, like, I would never show a child that movie. That movie messes me up every time Jeez, I see it. Man. Or Millennium Actress, or any of the Satoshi Kon movies, like yeah. you know, Paprika. Uh, those are not kid movies, but in America. The second you illustrate or animate something, you're you're they they tend to think that it's aimed at children, and so um, which is hilarious because we're like what probably we've got to be like thirty oh, we're years like 40 into like years the South from, Park era, yeah, yeah. and, and like, we're you know we're 40, 50 years removed from comics not being. I mean, comics there were comics for kids for a long time, but from its inception, there were comics for that were for adults and that were enjoyed. You know, since post World War II, 
GIs came home and they wanted more mature tales, which is why you got things like, you know, EC comics and these kind of like, you know, weird morality plays that happen with horror and, and um, you know, that were definitely for... But, again, the country thinks as long as it's illustrated, it's for kids. So people well, and, saw these books and said, oh, these these were aimed at children and they're, they're these horrible, violent, you know, macabre things. And so they must be, you know, banned because we're... And that happens all the time in America. The second they see a comic, a comic, a floppy comic book, regardless if it has a content warning, it's behind the counter, whatever it is, the second that um, you have a something illustrated and bound in comic book form, you are you are um, by default you're, you're advertising that toward your right. kids. And so if there's any maturity to it, people are going, oh, they're trying to give this to children, and it becomes a whole. Which know, is funny pro, because pro maturity isn't in like. <laughs> me and my dad have talked about this and it's funny we'll argue but we're both on the same side yeah you know? yeah yeah yeah. and it like because i'm a big video game fan and the thing is maturity doesn't necessarily mean just sex yeah or violence or, or yeah or violence yeah, yeah, yeah. like there's mature things but like because nobody reads it because nobody yeah, yeah. plays it you're not gonna understand like why this is important it, the, the context you know? for it so the context so that's this is what we're getting at when we're talking about graphic novels uh it, it's all um Contextual, right? I mean, everything right. should be put in some kind of context and, and viewed in in the manner it was it, it was intended to be to be uh, received in. However, um, we've just been conditioned as Americans to, to think contextually. Comics are for kids, and you know, so every like five years we get this article about like, oh, how comics aren't just for kids anymore. Yeah, they haven't been for kids for fifty years, but um, yeah, for <laughs> but they invented this phrase graph. Well, they, this phrase existed graphic novel that meant this thing that was slightly, um, you know, that it was a. a broader in scope than just capes and cowls right. and so the people who didn't want to be um burdened by the uh, immature connotation of a word like comic book have gravitated toward labeling them as graphic novels so they can feel better about um indulging in a medium that's that they don't view view as uh, juvenile or, or or you know um pedestrian in some way shape or form and so it's all semantics to me it's like it just it just they're all comic books man like from from uh you know the these uh really high-minded, introspective, you know, uh, personal works that are, like, hundreds of pages long to uh, Spider-Man issue 351. Like, they're all it's, all... it's all comics, man. And the funny thing is, when you look at a lot of the very respected writers, um, well, writers and artists, you yeah, know, yeah. we're using writers kind of as a catch-all. Outside of, like, Alan Moore, who hates everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you look at Neil Gaiman, he'll say, oh, the Sandman comics. Yeah, yeah. You know, he might call it a graphic novel for the, here and there, but like he'll say, "No, I do comics." But even the guy, so the companies you know? that that uh, that that love touting how they don't do superhero comics, and that was like the that was like the I don't watch TV of like uh, comic book <laughs> companies. Like everybody had to tell you how how uh, you know how sophisticated they were, right? So even those companies that have um, that put out like non superhero comics and their bread and butter is, is doing these elevated like oh we. You know, we engage in the art form of, of sequential art, and we you know we make graphic novels, all this stuff. The Sequ people who work for sequential them, sequential art's kind of funny. The actually, guys like who uh, the guys who work for them, the artists who create these kind of like lauded, uh, and I and I, I know several of them. I don't want to name drop or get anyone in trouble. Yeah. But like those dudes, when I have dinner with them, we're talking about like superhero comics. Like we end up talking about comic book ass comics. We're talking about Art Adams, and we're talking about you know like Dennis the Menace and shit like that. Like we're <laughs> you know we're not talking about uh, uh you know these like uh, graphic novels that have won, you know, awards and and uh, or in bookstores. Like yeah. we're literally talking about just bullshit. Like fucking dudes with ray guns zapping each other, punching yeah. each other in the face. Like those are the kind of comics. So even these companies that are like, you know, uh, hold their their graphic novels with their pinkies out. These guys who are like high minded with their elbow patches and stuff. Like the people who <laughs> make the shit that they sell 
love comic book ass comic books, and I love that about it. And I, and I don't need to dismantle the kind of um, lowbrow, highbrow kind of echelon that that they want to establish. You need both. Exactly, but I, I, think I, I gotta you say, both. you know, um, you know, I I always say that uh, I learned more from you know Stan Lee. And Steve Ditko, I learned more about personal responsibility from watching Spider-Man lose yeah. his uncle than any black and white indie. Let me talk about the law, the you know my mom's cancer and how she died or whatever. Like I, I just like because you can't it's just, about it, accessibility. If exactly, it, if it's not accessible to you. Yeah. Then like you can't discount you the doing? the validity of something based you know because because if it's popular, it, there's a validity to it, right? Like I can't like I can't personally engage with like NASCAR, but I can't say that it's invalid because millions of people enjoy it right like there's there's an enjoyment there and i think yeah. that there is something to be gleaned from that and i, I think that well hell, you know, as wrestling fans we hear that all the yeah, time. yeah exactly like, you know like oh well don't you my favorite don't you know that that's fake and my yeah, i, yeah. I remember so my, is game of thrones man my brother one time he was like why do you watch wrestling when mma is right there yeah and you know what that's a valid question yeah, yeah. i was like you know what okay i'll answer this i'm like straight up being completely real mm-hmm. it's because i know who would win in this fight yeah, I don't know who's gonna go through this flaming table in this ladder match. Yeah, yeah. You well, know even I mean? the, like, MNA, it's like I'm not. I, I don't. I'm not. At, <laughs> I'm not watching wrestling for an unpredictable outcome or for. Um, usually, it's for a predictable yeah. outcome. We want to see the story. Yeah, I just exactly. I want to see the story. It's it's for the narrative. It's and, Daniel and, Bryan at WrestleMania 30. Like we kind of yeah, knew yeah, he was exactly, gonna win. Yeah, that, yeah like. absolutely. It's uh, it's the Hardy brothers coming back. You know, that was so cool. Back to that was so good. That was so cool. That was such a great moment because Impact had given up on them and just like let them do their own thing, and they were like, Oh uh, my god. There was it. They're like, yeah, we're gonna make these crazy videos. That weird time from like 2014 to 2016 when like yeah. Lucha Underground was a thing. Yeah, yeah. Bray Wyatt was going crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. Jeez. And then the Hardy Boys were doing. I was like, yeah. All I wanted in life, I was like, yo, just give me Bray Wyatt. Just give me one season in Lucha Underground. Yeah, that would have been yeah. so cool. So, I think that's. I mean, it's not like we're saying the same thing. It's like the you know I don't want to see. Um, the the um, martial combat and the, the physical prowess of, of martial combatants trying to best each other and you know uh, it, but I, I do like the physicality of wrestling and the storytelling like I mean there's no storytelling in a MMA match I mean it's quite simple I mean there's there yeah. they might try to make some kind of narrative going into them it's but, like watching basketball but it's the like match no... the, yeah the match itself there's no there's no real storytelling uh, at least not as crafted by a writer to some right degree. Yeah, exactly I mean exactly. There, there might be like some kind of like there's the story of the match, but it's not storytelling in and of itself. Right. And that's why I watch wrestling. And, and um, yeah, you know, when people talk about, you know, how it's not real, I'm like, yeah, neither is Citizen Kane. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's also a made-up story. But, uh, you know, what Citizen Kane doesn't have is a guy going off the top of a cage into the a table yeah. 30 feet below <laughs> You ever it? seen yeah. a 2 base with Cena? Yeah, like, exactly. come on, this yeah, is dope. Yeah, yeah. No one's doing Hurricane Rana's in, in uh, Citizen Kane. So, um, but yeah, man, I... I now I I'm think just that, imagining, like, yeah. yo, you think Orson Welles could do, like, <laughs> yeah, could do, like dude, a back I, body I, drop? Kind of, yeah, <laughs> I what kind of wrestling I could have scripted. But, well, um, and I think that's too, that's something else, too, is that I've kind of gotten away from, um, mostly, like I said, as, as a music fan and as a video game fan, because when you look at, like, oh, we're trying to elevate the art form. Yeah. And yeah. I'm glad that in a lot of art forms that's kind of died. Yeah, you know, like we went in, and it's well, it's not even the elevation. I think that I, I think I'm up for people trying to like make the, the medium better, but I don't. Right, but just but I don't to make want it them, more luxury. I'm but like, I don't want to make it more respectable. Like that's the thing that irritates ooh, me. Okay, is I don't think I like that, that like I don't think that they um this uh we don't do thought balloons anymore that DC put out a while ago, or we don't um you know these people who you know I, I've heard companies like um and I don't know that they've ever said it, but like, I'm going to use this as an example, and this is 
like uh, when when everyone's saying they don't do superhero comics because superhero was uh, synonymous with being juvenile and and for kids, uh, or you know, and, and um, not serious, right? Mm-hmm. But I, a company like and, I, and I'm not saying they said this, but this is similar, and I hadn't heard it from other companies. Someone like um, Dark Horse would say oh, they okay. don't they don't do superhero comics. But you're doing Star and I'm like Wars. you do you do <laughs> Hellboy. And oh yeah, true. Hellboy's a dude with powers in a costume who fights evil people. That's a superhero. Like you know, granted it's a trench coat and it's not a cape and cowl, but he is a you know, he is a guy with powers. Plus, you know. it's kind of hilarious to be like, oh, we don't do superheroes. That's too far fetched. Yeah. Have you read our new comic about the son of the devil who was raised by Nazis and a- fights Hitler? Exactly. Like, Hold on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hold the fuck yeah, yeah. on, man. Like, like you know, the ridiculousness. You know, but there's a. There's, you know, comics should be ridiculous, and they, they should definitely, but they should be compelling as well. And I think that in trying to squeeze out some of the ridiculousness in the in the, uh, in in the in service of gaining respectability has drained the engagement from some comics. And I, I I've think gotten, and I've noticed this especially as the movies have become more popular. Yeah, yeah. Is that we're the comics reading Marvel and DC is basically reading what you saw on the screen. Yeah, yeah. Which part of me is like, okay, cool. There's stuff that makes. Example, I read The Boys when it first, not when it first yeah. came out, but I've read The Boys. I hated it. Yeah, yeah. I I did not like it. And then the show, from what they, from what I've been told, because there's some stuff in the show that, like me personally, I'm just like I'm not with that. I just started watching it recently. I finally got like browbeaten into watching. Yeah, because like, I, 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 I don't like. I, I'm, not, I'm just not a big fan of like somehow being um, uh, violent and and uh, and terrible means it's more realistic. Like it's no, I'm so it's become glad kind you of like said that. like we know. I, do you swear on your your? Can I swear on this thing? Yeah. Okay. So it's like you know, it's uh, uh I did I did a fake masthead for it, but it's like superheroes who are assholes who also kill and fuck. Like that's what people want for to be realistic. Now they just want superheroes who are assholes that also kill and fuck, and and um and that somehow seems more more quote unquote realistic, and uh yeah. So like in watching the boys, uh, I just. I just started watching it, and it's fine. Like, I'm enjoying it. But... I like the idea of, hey, if we had superheroes, they would probably be basically pro-athletes and actresses. The, and they'd be kind of you know, low-key terrible. And I'm but... like, okay, yeah, that's kind of a fun so idea. My, my, my only problem with the show is, like, the, the general conceit of it, uh, it, it seems a little wrong-headed. Because hmm. they, um, they have this corporation that is seeking to make these kind of all-American wholesome heroes that everybody, like, loves... Right. And they're doing their best to keep, to shield the world from the actual foibles and imperfections and, and selfish uh, pettiness of these heroes, right? When I feel like, in today's climate especially, if we had these, like, wholesome all-American types, everyone would hate those kind of heroes. They'd be like, these guys are corny. We want guys who kill and snap necks and are badass. Wouldn't so they would, they would like, they would would like the real version. Season, actually. Yeah, they would like the real version of them more than they like this fabricated version. And it would be better if... Like, you know, people were like, if they could see Homelander for who he really is, he'd be even more popular than he is, you know, on the show. And this version of him, this, you know, it's, it's the same reason people, like, you know, hate, like, uh, you know, Tom Brady or whatever. Like, he's just, like, kind of all aw shucks, you know, America, all American guy. Like, but when he got drunk and he yeah, was yeah, throwing like, yeah, exactly, the, yeah, yeah. You know? So it's like, oh, that's the Tom Brady I want to see. So it's like the, the version of Homelander that they're trying to shield everyone from is the version that would probably sell better than the one that they're actually trying to sell on the show. And so I think the one of the general conceits of that is a little bit uh, wrong-headed, like this idea that they would want to create these wholesome All-Americans. Like, now they would want edgy, identifiable, well, especially you know in today's what? climate. They, I, I wonder, too, if they would... And this actually is a question I've been meaning to ask somebody who's actually involved in comics for a while. But, okay. Um, 
and I'll, I'll get to it in a second, but, like, I'm wondering if that focus group... Oh, yeah, they were yeah. just like in the 90s, they're like, yeah, no, no, we want, you know, or like in the 80s, no, yeah, we yeah. want like Reaganomics here. And then the 90s, like, no, we want our guys to be edgy and kick ass. And then now it's like, but, and this is kind of what I'm wondering because I've been saying this for a while, and I my, I had to explain it to my brother because my brother, he sent me on the right track. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll just ask you before I, I tell you what there I think. You. Is Superman boring? Okay. So you want me to answer before yeah, you yeah, answer? Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I think that. People don't know how to handle them, right? But okay, I think yeah, the general idea, the, <laughs> the general idea of Superman is not. And, and honestly, my hero, Lamano, is very Superman-esque. He's he's good for the sake of goodness. Goodness is its own reward and its own yeah. goal in and of itself. And um, I don't think that Lamano or Superman needs to be brutal. Like I don't understand the need for brutality no, from our from our heroes, that. which is why I didn't like the Batman movie. I don't need brutality because he goes over the edge, man. Like, he does. He's, he, he, he does. Know, yeah, and and so um, I uh, I don't need brutality from a hero. So like my, my my general the the edginess that kind of crept in in the in the eighties and then the nineties went fucking full ham hog. They they or full hog on it. They didn't really. Um, I don't think they understood the the ethos of. They understood. They started emulating the style of success, not the substance of success. Right. So Ooh, you, okay. you look at things like Watchmen. And Dark Knight Returns, and uh, even things like American Flag, and these kind of oh wow, these, a, uh, I heard that name or, in a long or time. these these are or you know martial law, these things that were successful, even like a Judge Dredd too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they they see um, these things are successful, and they go, oh, these guys who are killing and brutal and being petty and, and fucking and whatever, those these they're that's what people want. They see this, they see that that's um. They they see that that was uh, an element of what was successful and what was different because it was a differentiate it was one of the small elements right. that was different but it wasn't the total ethos of those projects that that made them different it wasn't just about them being petty and like Watchmen isn't about them being uh, petty and, and and murderous and well and, and when it is it's for a reason well it is it's because to talk it, about yeah, hey the comedians well, really it, fucked it, up yeah it's exactly not like, it's to talk about what happens when you advocate you know responsibility exactly, of yourself yeah. over to other people and then give them too much power over like you there's and, a purpose to yeah, it. yeah i mean there there is a point about just the um the idea of what heroics look like but I, my overall thought you know in in having grown up you know i started reading comics in the 80s uh you know and i've been a fan my entire life so by the time i got to do my own thing i i realized that like i was just burned out on like you know um the, the teeth gritting, you know, head cutting off, like, murderous heroes, like, isn't heroism. Like, you know, and it's hard to, you know, when you have a book like, like American Flag or Martial Law, it's hard sometimes for people to separate the protagonist from the hero. Like, he, yes, he is the main oh, character in the yeah. story, oh, man, you're a lot of but he's stuff. not, but he's not necessarily, you know, doing anything heroic. Right. And I just like the idea of heroes and people who do the right thing for the right reason. And to me, Superman is always about the bad guy going, look, you you can do shitty option A or you can do shitty option B, but they're both shitty and you got to make a decision. And Superman goes, no, there's option C where no one gets hurt and I don't have to compromise who I am to maintain, you know, to to, to defeat you. And and so, what had happened in my lifetime by the time I got around to doing mine is, you know, is, uh, you know, we we've we've created these the uh, these notions of heroes, you know, superheroes at that, you know, th- this new pantheon of gods for ourselves. Yeah. And rather than us trying to be more godlike, we just created gods that were more like us. That's basically and that, what Greek gods and Roman yeah, yeah, gods exactly. And, 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 it, and it's just and, and to me, it just felt flat. And so, um, I uh, I sought to you know, much like my enjoyment of Superman, like 
all I want to see from a, from a Superman movie, you know, nowadays, or even in a Superman comic book, is, you know, and, and it started with, like, you know, recently with, like, the New 52, you know, it, it, I guess it's 10 years old at this point, like, I think, like, the first story you arc is, really is like, is, um, <laughs> is, like, the JLA fighting itself. It's, like, good guys against good guys, and it's, like, you don't, you never let them be good guys for it to be shocking for them to be versus each I'm other. I'm assuming you remember when Civil War came out. Yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. It made sense. And it was also like it made it was like oh okay sixty I can years agree. of history that, that right. led to that I can understand yeah. how they got here but I just you know you know then the movies start happening in a big way you know because I had seen the the Superman movie you know, Injustice when I was a kid. if you remember like the yeah, Injustice oh, geez, games like, yeah but I'm just like all I, all I want to see from a Superman comic is Superman saving the goddamn day and that's all I want from a Superman movie is I just want the big blue Boy Scout to come <laughs> and save the day and I got to say the most Superman moment I had seen in a movie in a long, long time, was actually an Avengers movie, and it came from Captain America. And when they're in Sokovia, and the island thing is like that piece of land yeah, is being lifted yeah. up, and they're trying to get people out of there, and all the ultra, you know, and, and Hawkeye says to, to to Captain America, he's like, look, man, like, this thing's getting to a point where if it falls, it's gonna end, you know, end everything, so we gotta, we gotta make a bad decision here, we're gonna, we're gonna lose some people. And Cap is like, no, nobody, not today, not a single person. Yeah. And I'm like that's that's Superman. That's that, like that's what I want for my hero. That's why I, I went because I saw a lot of people. I don't okay. I don't like what they did with Falcon Winter Soldier. Yeah. But I I kind of liked what they did with uh, with Captain America. In my opinion, I was telling my brother yeah. I would have let Tony Stark live and I would have killed Captain America because at that point you let Captain America become who he was supposed to be. He's supposed yeah. to be a war hero. Let him be a yeah, warrior. And he's also he he's a uh, you know and, he's the super soldier. He is us at our best. Right, and that, that's is, why I yeah. never felt like I love. Uh, I I still think uh, what's that movie? Um, not not Civil War. Uh, Winter Soldier. The oh, second yeah, yeah. Captain America. I still think that's the best one. Yeah, because he's there for his buddy. And he, like, he's, he's, he's there a good for dude. his buddy. He's a good dude. And like, but and and the funny thing is, because everybody's like, well. You know, if Captain America really existed, he'd be racist. He'd be, and it's like, yo, hold on. Yeah. First of all, yeah, probably. Second of <laughs> yeah, all, yeah. he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. So let him learn about blues from yeah, Anthony yeah. Mackie. It's cool. Like, yeah. Like we can do this. And the fa- and you, you're exactly right. People forget this is him at our, at his at our best. Which, which is why I think Superman, when he works, he's 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 us at our best. He's a he's a Superman, right? Like, and, right. And it's not. Um, he should be doing this it's stuff. It's not that... his alienness and his abilities that make him a hero. It's the human father that he had. Yeah, that that let you know generally like, to me, good dude. The 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 greatest hero in in all of comic book herodom is uh, Jonathan Kent because <laughs> he took who could have been our alien overlord who could have become Homelander and he made yeah. him into our greatest protector because he made him a good human being. He made him a good man. And, and I the funny thing is, we like, never see that. Even when you read, like you know, from from Pa Kent's perspective, it's never about like, oh, yeah. you you're supposed to be. It's very Uncle Ben. I'm, I'm more of a Marvel guy than yeah. No, I'm, I'm definitely I'm more of a Marvel guy. But it's Spider Man's. I mean, I have like Thwip and a spider web <laughs> tattooed on me. So when I do this, that's another thing about Spider Man yeah. is that like, like he's. I was telling my brother, I like that this Spider Man is just like. He doesn't really know what he's supposed yeah, to be yeah. doing, but he knows that like that's not what I'm supposed to be the, doing over and there. The thing Let me I love just about try to do good stuff, and I, I think the, the thing I love most about Spider-Man is he's kind of the Superman formula, like done right. I mean, I think they they had a lot of like kind of, you know, but he's a guy who um, not only is he committed to to being a good dude, to to doing the right thing, but he does it at tremendous personal cost, time and time again. 
You know what I mean? Like it is always costing him something. To That's do why the thing. black suit was so interesting because yeah. when because there are times when you're supposed to be selfish. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that was that they kind of nailed in the mm-hmm. in the old Spider-Man, you know, Sam Raimi movies was that dude, you are saving the city and that's great. Yeah. But your personal relationships yeah, yeah. are going to shit, dude. Yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. I, I you know, I um it's something I tried to work into Lamano when I did it, and not to be like selling my book at all, but uh, no, it's please like, do. Man. There's please that do. point at which, like, you know, I don't. Do you, you read? Do you read the comic? You read the the trade, or I don't know if you had. I had, I oh, didn't. Okay. I didn't get a chance to pick up the trade. So, I want if, if we could yeah, today. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk we'll, about. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any. Uh, I just have the bilingual ones right now. And it's, it's, uh, anyway, that's long. Um, but there's a point in his journey where he's like, he's committed to this thing. He, he has, this, you know, he has the path that he's on. And there's a point in that where he's like, the next step for him. To get over the hurdle that's put in front of him, he has to be as brutal and ruthless as the people that he's in the opposition to, yeah. and it's like and he and he resigns to like not do it. He's like, look, man, if 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 winning means I have to be like them to win, then I'm not going to do it because I won't I won't let yeah. them fundamentally alter who I am to to get some kind of pyrrhic victory out of this. So I I, I appreciate situations like that that they get presented to Superman where he's like he might have to do the shitty thing to 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 to, to get his goal. But I appre- you know, I would appreciate it more if he just refused to be refused to snap somebody's neck. You know what I mean? Like I just kind of yeah. I never understood that in Man of Steel, and I never understood the people who like want that from him. Like I don't understand the need for brutality. Like I look, man, I get that the Punishers like people enjoy that, but but people should stop should like realize that he was at the time satire over the kind yeah, of outcrying for people who wanted that sort of brutality. You know, it's like you look at the. Um, like look at the first two Rambo movies, right? You look at the first one, and it's this this treatise on what we do to the people we ask to fight our battles for yeah. us, and how we, you know, and how they have no place once they come home, and and uh, how they, you know, that's a shitty thing to do to them. And then the second one is just oiled up, roided rage, <laughs> focused at our enemies, and we will annihilate those who stand against us. And like those are very different notions, but I mean, we're talking, you know, what eighty. Uh, what is it? Five? I think it's like eighty two and like eighty six or something. Like it is, yeah. like the world just shifted. Where they, you know, when they watched the first one, they just saw him kicking ass out in the in the woods. Right? They saw him taking out cops, or jumping off brutal. Helicopter. Yeah, like, yeah. Even I mean, by today's standards, like it yeah, yeah. is a brutal movie. But again, if people saw that movie, and rather than think about the like, what is it we ask our warriors to sacrifice to to protect us, and all they saw was this dude kicking ass. And so the next movie. It's just dude kicking ass. And so, you know, that that's just kind of how it went when we, you know, the Watchmen is like, what is it we are asking of the people we asked to yeah. look out for us? And what does that mean? Like, what are the social implications of that? Into, isn't Rorschach a badass? All, all we saw like, was like, yo, that dude got exploded that guy. We need more people who are willing to explode guys. And like, and so I, I think, you know, um, you just, you know, lost our way at some point. And I think that there needs to be some kind of, and I think there has been a lot of like people who, are kind of, you know, like, Mark Wade had a really great Daredevil run, like, a decade ago, where, where, you know, Daredevil was just out, like, having fun, like, enjoying being Daredevil, and I, I'm just, I'm sick of miserable heroes, I'm sick of, um, you know, uh, brutal heroes, like, I just, I feel like heroes should, should be a little more heroic, you know, call me, call I think me naive. I think, well, okay, in, in, in taking that, there are some things, so I, I used to be one of those guys that, like, yo, I want this to be brutal, I want this to be yeah, realistic, yeah, yeah. And then I realized, like, yo, this isn't fun. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, and again, big video game fan, like, 2K, like, NBA 2K, I, yeah. I always bring this up, is a great game. It is extremely realistic. There's a lot you can do in it, but it is not the same as NBA Jam. 
Yeah. Yeah, Where, absolutely. Like, dude, well, Gary Payton would never jump from the free throw. Who cares? Yeah, you're, you're so I think that, that sacrificing night... dynamism for realism, and I think that's that's not something that's not what comics are built. And for. the thing is, the most realistic things, like you were saying earlier, it's not about killing a fucking yeah. Like how who do you know right now? That's like, yo, all I did last night, I shot a bunch of dudes, yeah, and yeah. I had sex a bunch of times. Yeah, like, yeah. you don't know anybody like that. Like, to me, the most realistic superheroes are, like, when you look at Spider... That's why I'm a, I'm a huge X-Men fan. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, like, because when you look at the X-Men, it's just a bunch of dudes who are like, hey, man, I don't really know what these powers do. Yeah, yeah. And this guy says he can help me, but I don't really know who that is. And yeah. Wolverine's kind of an alcoholic, and we don't know what his <laughs> deal is, like... Yeah. Don't talk to him, you but know? I, I love, yeah, I mean, like, you know, bringing it back to Spider-Man, like, I love the fact that he will, like, legitimately save the world. He'll, like, be in space saving the world, and then he goes home and he's just, like, failed an English test. Oh, or, I got like, a test! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's, or, like, you know, and, and I think that that's a great, um, a great exploration of, like, humanity that isn't just about piling misery on top of someone that, you know, um, that makes them snap and become something, like, justifiably an asshole. And I feel like that's probably a little bit of it. Everybody likes to see someone being justifiably an asshole because we all enjoy being assholes when it's justified. And I think that that's, that's more of a... It's just a... It's a, not a great part of us that we shouldn't maybe indulge as much as we have, but... That's well, and if you it. look at the most, like, again, not a huge fan of this word, but look at the most, like, realistic depictions of your favorite superheroes. Like, to yeah, me... Yeah. I loved Logan, yeah, and yeah. he wasn't being an asshole. The dude was like helping yeah. kids and yeah, you know yeah. helping a, helping an old yeah. man. Yeah, that sounds more legit yeah. that you'd be helping your best friend for yeah. years, you know. Then, and does he carve some people up? Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he fucks but some I think up, you know, but he also he's like kind of like worn down and beaten. He gets up. his ass kicked yeah, in like yeah. the first scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I can appreciate that kind of realism. I think that we're, I think that realism is shifting more there instead of just you know, heads exploding or, or, you know, uh, and the thing is too, like, it's okay to be violent. It's okay. Yeah. You know, they're like, Kill Bill's a violent movie and it's mm. very silly. And it's about like, Hey man, basically I just saw a bunch of Kung Fu movies and I was like, yeah, I yeah. wonder if I could do this. And like, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. But then there's some, there's other things where it's like, why in the, I heard somebody describe specifically wanted, but also the boys this way. And it, it kind of, nailed to me why i don't really love those series he called them mean-spirited yeah absolutely and right when he that, said yeah. that i'm like yeah that's yeah. why yeah i i think again man i think things like joker and batman they're kind of mean-spirited they're not like they don't have the same like i want to feel the love coming off of a thing you know and like i think it's part of the, like what people sense about my comic when they walk like they can sense my like enthusiasm and joy for the there is a I, joy like right when i saw it, i was like oh my god this is there's something yeah i mean and i, I put that love in there but I, I, I feel like a lot of a lot of uh, more prominent comic books and comic book media are uh crass money grabs that um that you can kind of you get a sense of that and they're joyless and they're in and they can often be mean-spirited and i think that they can be apologetic too where they're like they're almost apologizing for being comic books and like they're gonna they're gonna undo all the silliness of a comic or what have you. But I'm like the things that I've enjoyed about comics, like that, uh, like Thor Ragnarok. Oh my god, the, I love that movie. The goofy ass comic book shit that was in there, and like things that I thought, like, dude, there's a motherfucking by beast statue in a Beta Ray Bill statue. I'm like, you know, like, granted we haven't seen Beta Ray Bill yet, but it's like the fact that like canonically by beast and Beta Ray Bill exist in the Thor world, like that's just the goofy shit. I and and see. the fun thing too is like. You know how they made that more realistic? Yeah. They gave him armor that functionally looks good on camera. Yeah, that was yeah. it. 
Yeah, I mean, but they also had a lot of great Jack Kirby tech in the background. Yeah, and they, stuff. Did. And, they yeah, did. Yeah, I mean, and and that's the thing too is like, I I was I know I know a couple wrestlers I've insta- I've uh, you know interacted with on Instagram, yeah. and one guy was talking to me about how it shouldn't necessarily be realistic, but it should make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So you understand why this yeah. submission works. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let the truth get in the way of a good story. Like, that's how... <laughs> right, right. Uh, that's, I forget who that quote is from, but, like, that's kind of, like, my, you know... Um, yeah, I mean, I... I uh, again, it's about... Uh, as an artist, it's about synthesis. It's about... It should be about exaggeration and not about... Like, I always view my job as an artist is not to reflect reality, but to abbreviate it. You yeah. know, like, it's give you just enough so that you know what I'm talking about... It's like, you know, like an abbreviation. and write the whole word out. I just wrote a couple letters. But you know what that whole... You, you know what the full word is. You're feeling right. that. You're finishing it in your head. I'm, I try to give people just enough information that they can finish the rest of it in their head. And so what they... Where they fill in what, what they're... What's not there is being filled in by them and their personal experience. So now the book itself is, um, is being co-authored by the reader Ooh, in a way okay. that is completely personal and thus more engaging. And I think that when you delve into areas where you get like photorealism or things that look like almost like you know quote unquote realistic, um, those those are dismissed because there's no act there's no active part on the read there's no activity on the reader's part to make up the missing information, whether it be visual and or you know narrative. I think that's a big, I think that's a huge issue that I'm seeing with a lot of different mediums is there's been a lot of tell. And then show. Yeah, tell and, and show. Make sure. Exactly. Spoon feed you all your stuff where it's like, if you trust, and if you show respect for your audience by trusting them to be able to figure it out, that becomes so much more engaging it does. than just, you know, like um, explaining, you know, thing. You know, well, like those little things that uh, Stan Lee would do. He would yeah, just yeah, throw yeah. in, you remember, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. issue 37? Uh, I, I do like, some of that oh, in, my, cool. in my comic. Yeah, just a little like, oh, hey, man. That. Yeah, I yeah. That. I love editor. And that's the thing that, like, you can kind of only do in comic books. Yeah. Like, I, 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 you know, I, um, I, just, I know I personally I make dumb fun comics man it's like it, and yes my book is a little bit about my own kind of internalized respectability politics of the Chicano diaspora and what it means to be a minority in America however uh, that is all way below the surface that is all very foundational it is ostensible it is just dudes and masks well, and tights beating on each other and this is this is one thing that I was trying to explain because I have another podcast called Blurred Lines where okay. me and a friend of mine were both black you know she her family's from Africa. My yeah. family came up here. And the thing is, we talk about anime and, you know, other nerdy things, but primarily anime. We're yeah. doing Evo this week. I'm oh, no, very no. excited. Very cool. Um, but we talk about it from a black perspective. And I think people forget that, like, this isn't necessarily about, like, oh, well, since I'm Chicano, I do Chicano. Yeah, no, yeah. dude, this is just my culture is a little bit different from yours because, yeah, yeah. like, let's keep it real. We're both in America. We both experience kind of yeah, yeah. The, that's why I say Chicano as opposed to like Mexican or American. Yeah, I don't like, say it, it's specifically you know Chicano is specifically Latinos who were just born here. Yeah, you know, when the I don't say African American because I have friends that are from Africa. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, know people know, who are from technically Africa, Charlize Theron is African American, and it's and <laughs> yeah. I got friends from Liberia, Rwanda, and it's different. Their experience was different. Than Absolutely, mine. yeah, yeah. So I mean, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I appreciate that, but um, <laughs> but. I, I you know I I said this often to people, but I feel like as as a um, as a minority in America, we got we got to fight our fight, right? Like that's yeah. part of what we got to do. But we also have an obligation to express our beauty, right? Because we have to showcase. I'm so glad you said that. We have to showcase the things that we're fighting for. This is the culture I'm fighting to preserve, and and fighting your fight. And I say this all the time, so apologies to anyone who's heard me say this before. But fighting your fight affords you rights. Okay. Expressing your beauty affords you dignity. And that's something that. that we forget, you know, we for, you know, we get so caught up in our fight that we forget about our, you know, our dignity. And so, um, 
you know, my my book is just a love letter to my culture. You're like all the bright, you know, I'm so sick of seeing my culture rips, misrepresented in American pop culture. Whenever you see a luchador in an American movie, he's kind of an idiot. He's like a punchline. Like, oh, this big dumb dude with a mask on. Or it's like uh, the uh, like the Mayans. Or, yeah, yeah. You know, or or like that. whenever you see Mexico in an American movie, it's sepia tone, brown and dirty looking. I love and that. So, we, I love that we still got the yellow filter. So gross, man. <laughs> but I'm like. But my, I know, I know my culture is so much more bright and vibrant than that, and I know that luchadors are like heroes to me because they were important to me as a child growing up, and and so my whole book is just pushback on that. But and and also I think that comics can be a fun dynamic medium, and so I try to make my comics fun and dynamic in a way that you haven't seen since like the '60s. So you know, setting my book in the '60s, drawing like it was in the '60s, it is a is not only is it um, a narrative. Uh, framework that I can use because the book happens in the 60s. It yeah. looks like the 60s. It allows me to take the kind of limited color palette approach to the 60s and shift it into a Latino color palette, thus kind of subverting the the um, the conventions that I'm working in, but also it allows me to subvert the white male superhero trope of the 1960s superhero and make him quintessentially Latino and, and Chicano in his execution. And so, but again, at the end of the day, it is just a dumb, fun comic about a dude in a mask and tights beating on other dudes with masks and tights. Yeah. And so, I mean, first and foremost, my obligation is to make an engaging, fun comic book. Like, I want to make it in a way, something that people would want to read. Right. I don't want to give them a TED Talk on what it means to be a minority in America. I want to give them a comic book about a luchador who's trying to get his belt, in his belt back and his title back. And so, I think that that's that spoonful of sugar that a lot of comics got a little less... Um, allegorical and a little more literal, right? And so if we're going to do a comic book about what it means to be black in America, we've gone from X-Men, which was kind of a good allegory for the uh, the black experience in America being an outcast and people being afraid of you and all that sort of thing, uh, to just straight up, I'm going to do this comic about a black guy in America trying to you know make, make his way. And I'm not saying one is, is right well, or wrong. Well, and the thing that's interesting too is that, like, Again, why I loved X Men because yeah. when I was younger, I mean, I'm when I was younger, we had X Men. It was you know X Men ninety seven, which oh yeah yeah yeah, that was like my X Men was that sick guitar solo that I'm pretty sure is still my ringtone. Yeah, they're redo they're doing more of those, right? I'm excited. Yeah yeah, I'm excited. I'm a little bit nervous, but what yeah. what, what one thing that was very interesting was that I oh a, uh, did you see fuck what is that? Did you watch uh, Miss Marvel? I watched a little up? bit. I I know what you're talking about. Yeah, there's I watched a, a part little bit of it with my brother where he mentions that she her power. Is uh, might be a mutation, and when he says the word mutation, they play the X Men theme like just slightly in the background. You know, know what the funny thing is? My brother, like my brother's, like you probably think that's dumb, don't you? I'm like, I do, but it's perfect. But it's great, though. Yeah, it's yeah. perfect. And what I've noticed about like X Men in particular is that, and this is not a bad thing. Yeah. It's just how thing how stories change. It used to be an allegory for blacks in America. Yeah, minorities I'll say, but primarily yeah. at that time it was yeah, yeah. Magneto was Malcolm X. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, and Charles Xavier is Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. That was kind of what that was. Now what I've seen it mean is like, oh, okay, this is more of an allegory for queer people in America. Yeah, yeah. Which, cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But what I want to see more is like, okay, hey, if it's an allegory for queer people, where are the queer writers? Yeah, yeah. Like. Is it is it a coincidence that the best Black Panthers ever been was when they got from your tiny easy coats? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. I, I mean, I, I I feel like it's coming, and I feel like um, I, I feel I would like love to see that new. So more and more, you know, uh, you know, we, you know, we can get into the issues of like you know inclusion is representation, right? Because like they'll give you know they'll have like token minorities in the background, like oh this guy's black now, this guy's this is Mexican. Why I didn't now. love Falcon yeah. Winter Soldier? Yeah, and it's just like well, you're not telling a quintessentially black or Latino story. You've just brownwashed your white characters and you're still doing your white stuff. 
But I feel like things like um, like Black Panther, like when Tanahashi coach wrote Black Panther, uh, or the movie, you know, uh, what's yeah. his name? Um, Ryan Coogler. Coogler, yeah. When he, you know, when he got to have, you know, when he that got new to the trailer take, looks incredible. It looks great, man. So, um, but like, I think some of the Hollywood's finally getting to the point where they're allowing, and, and the public isn't accepting anything less than people who are fundamentally tied to the things they're talking about being a part of what the, being a part of those things. You know, Disney tried to put out Coco and trademark the term Dia de los Muertos. Oh yeah, got, I remember that. He got a ton of pushback, and 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 to their credit. Uh, one of the people who criticized them most, they hired him on as a cultural consultant. And so I, I feel like we're at a point now How'd where... How'd you feel about that? How'd you feel about Coco? I love the movie. I think it was great. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was touching. It was... Uh, I thought it was beautiful, yeah, but yeah. also, like, I'm not part of that yeah, culture. Yeah, no, so I, I thought... sometimes you, know, you find out later, it's like, no, we fucking hate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, think, you know, like, I, I loved it. Like, you know, and the, the, the Dia de los Muertos is, like, one of the few things that I kind of... One of the vestigial things from my my lapsed Catholicism that I do kind of uh, partake in. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I so I think that um, more and more those sorts of things are like where they're going to make sure they have queer writers and they make sure that you know, um, I, I think that that's that that those things are paying off now and they're they're yeah. seeing like oh if we allow a Latino to write a make a Latino movie aimed at Latinos the Latinos show up for it like th- those are starting like and it seems like such common sense like maybe we should have been doing that from the beginning but you know that machine has existed for so long with these people at the top of it. You know, I would like to well, see... But the funny thing is, it was founded by, especially, I want to say, I, I'm almost positive it's Superman. Mm. Superman was like a Jewish guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jewish guys. Being written, like, yeah, yeah. yeah and like two Jewish guys were like, hey, what if we had a and guy that was like perfect? Yeah, he's allegorical of uh, of the uh, Moses story, right? Yeah. He's like a baby in the basket. He gets in, you know, he's, he's an extremely Jewish hero, but yeah. he, you know, he was allowed to be as allegorical as he was, and then he kind of got co-opted by... Uh, you know the just kind of American yeah exactly yeah exactly yeah like as this kind of you know but he, I always thought that Peter Parker should be Jewish he's yeah I could see that he um S- Superman starts off as being allegorical of the immigrant makes good in America story yeah. you know he's like that that kind of narrative of like someone who in their world was nothing special which is come extremely here. relevant to 1940s yeah yeah you know? exactly like, yeah I mean that's that you know huge wave of, of, of European immigrants come so I mean I think that's part of his success but then he, again he turns into like you know the the cop of the world, like uh, he he becomes like uh, America's manifestation of Mike makes right for a minute, you know. And, and I I think that yeah, he that's could, true. He could be a little more interesting than that, but um, yeah, you know, I mean, like Captain America is, you know, Jack Kirby is a Jew, and you know, Stan Lee's, you know, it was a, uh, it was a, uh, it was he, Stan Lee didn't create him with Kirby. It was um, Dicko. Was no, Dicko? no, Jesus, I just lost it. I can't. It's probably right there. Uh, fuck, I can't remember. Anyway, um, <laughs> but you know. That first kind of Marvel bullpen is, is is a lot of like you know minorities a lot of, a yeah, lot it of is. You know, so, um, but uh, but they were having you know it was a little less accepted because we were less homogenized or I guess not even we were more um, we were more middle American at the time you know like it was less yeah. acceptable to like you know have you know uh, everyone had to be kind of that that generic mannequin white person you know and it wasn't until. You know, what, in the like seventies, seventies, yeah. Like your Luke Cage and like your giant size X Men, we get like a uh, international team, right? Or the yeah. the all new, all different X Men. You get you know, uh, black character. You know, Storm Storm shows up. You get uh, you know, Colossus who's Russian and Sunfire who's Japanese. And it, you know, I mean, those are guys who had been around you know here and there. Oh, you mentioned that on your Instagram. Uh, the, yeah, oh, the Sunfire. Thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, like I've got a, so yeah, Sunfire. I mean, he's my. I've got a story like ready to go with him, but he's a guy who like. Um, and there's like little areas like I, I love to like I never want to mess with anything with Marvel or DC that would be um, 
Uh, like, I don't want Spider-Man, and I don't want Batman, like, I don't want Super... Like, because all I can do is fuck those up, like, I can't do any better. But if you give me something like Buona Beast over at DC, or Sunfire at, at Marvel, like, I... All I can do is better for you. You know what I mean? Like, all I can do is make it better. I was always fascinated by Sunfire, because he shows up in, like, an X-Men issue early, like, I think, like, in the 60s or something. Like, oh, the number 60s, not the, the, yeah. the time 60s. Uh, he shows up, um... His uncle has, like, brainwashed him into thinking that all of his troubles are because of America, and he shows up to blow up the White House to kind of show show the Americans up, you know, and uh, and then Professor X talks him out of it, kind of shows him the air. He's like, hey, man, you've kind of been manipulated by your shitty uncle, yada, yada, <laughs> and he kind of is like, ah, no, like, they, I've been tricked, and he kind of, like, flies away, like, yeah, you're right, I'm not going to blow up the White House, and he goes away. He makes a couple other small appearances, I think, in, like, Submariner comics, and then the next time you really see him... He's like Professor X goes, "Hey man, you want to help me rescue my original X Men team from this, you know, this this island that like sucked them in?" And he's like, "Yeah, okay, I'll help you out." And so it's like he goes from like wanting to blow up the White House to like <laughs> I'm going to be a hero. He's also the first to quit the X Men. Like after uh, after they they get the X Men back, they're like, "Oh, we can be a whole new team." And Colossus, and you guys can hang out, and and, and um, Sunfire's like, "Nah, I'm out of here." Like he's like kind of a hothead, literally. And so I I kind of dug that about him, but I always kind of wondered about like from wanting to blow up the White House, finding out your entire world has been predicated on misinformation that right. your uncle gave you, to like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and be a hero. Like, to, eh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But not like, with you guys. Like, what, yeah, exactly. Like, what what happens there? Like, how do you go, how do you go from, from villain to hero, uh, and no one's ever explored that. So I have a story that would explore the kind of journey he takes from being um from go from wanting to blow up the white house to, to then like wanting to save the x-men and i just you know it's it's uh it's the early 70s uh and it's japan japan in the early 70s is fucking great right like so we get um That's super interesting you know, his cousin is the silver samurai who's got like yakuza ties so we can get kaiju we can get yakuza we can get like great 70s japanese culture in there yeah. like it would just be such a, a a weird like you think about like all those tokusatsu like shows and movies that happen like i i just i'm just imagining like a toy studio yeah yeah exactly like... yeah that's that's exactly what i want to do is as weird as like japanese spider-man is that's what i want oh my do. god wow that's <laughs> what i, I want to make sunfire <laughs> the emissary of hell and just have him you know um like some common writer ask like Sunfire story that, so that just that just happens like you know it has all these different moving parts and then the very last like it's gonna start with him coming home from wanting to blow up the White House and it's gonna end with Professor X knocking at his door because we know we know where the we know where those raindrops fall we just gotta dance in between them you know so I would mess nothing of their continuity up and I'd be able to do that so so that that actually kind of inspired me a lot because I had told my brother that like hey I have a Batman idea that is about like you know being an actual bat family and like passing that on and like yeah, you know yeah. eventually being batman being happy because yeah. i think batman you know it one of my favorite comic arcs is um penance okay so speedball to penance yeah back to speedball because like when i first read it, i was like yo this what we were talking yeah, about yeah, this yeah. penance dude is so fucking badass yeah, yeah yeah and then when they changed it back i was like wow they changed me it's so cool and then as i got older i'm like oh because he had to be happy again like yeah, you have yeah. to but I think there's something about those smaller characters where you're right. It is that, you know, yeah. we don't need to do another bat. Like, let's do something with a Sunfire. Let's well, I mean, you know, you got to kind of work your way up to being able to do those. And, and honestly, I just, um, 
And so how do you even go about that? Do you, like... I mean, I've talked to... Who have I talked to over there? I mean, I know people over there. Okay. Um, and uh, he just kind of pitched The world stuff. is so interesting to me because yeah, there's no, I mean, like... I have some emails, and I have been able to pitch stuff. Like, I, and I don't even remember, because I have, like, a wannabe story that I want to tell, too. And Buonabis is a guy, very problematic, from the 60s, or maybe late 50s, 60s. Um, he's only made a handful of appearances. He's kind of, like... He's always been the, like... One of those um, joke characters, like when you when you mention like bad ideas as far as characters goes, you know, like well, it's no Buana Beast, you know, because like, uh, but you know, and I got to thinking a long time ago, I'm like, what 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 would I do? Like, how would I redeem these? Like, you know, um, you know, I had a, 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 a for a minute, Dark Horse was interested in me doing some stuff. We were gonna maybe do Lumano there, and they were like asking me if there was anything else I would want to do, and I'm like, oh, oh, I would love to do like uh, Jar Jar Banks, like. Because they had the Star Wars license oh, at the time. Yeah, okay. And I was just like, I wanted, I just, I love the idea of taking these kind of almost irredeemable characters, these joke characters that everyone goes like, oh, that guy's a, just the worst idea possible, and then figuring out a way to make them, yeah, like palatable, especially to a modern on's audience. Uh, I had done that with Buona Beast, and I had this pitched, and I, God, I, I can't even remember what editor I used to have. I can't, I don't know why it's escaping me. <laughs> also, I don't want to name drop or anything, but I, right, yeah. I had access to a couple editors at DC. I sent them the stuff. Uh, he dug it. He's like, oh, this is great. He's like, I don't think we could sell it, though. And I think... But that was, like, maybe five years ago. I think maybe it's time to, like... That guy's not there anymore. I think it might be time to reintroduce, like, that that notion. But, again, it's like... I never... You know, like, you saw the things from Marvel I want to do, and it's like, I never... Yeah, what was up with X-Day? That interesting. Oh, X-Them? Like, again, it would, be, X-Men, yeah, it would be all uh, queer X-Men. It would just be, oh, like, all the ones that. who canonically are queer. or And it would be that thing we were talking about, where it's like, it's not... Um, it's not allegorical so much as, as it is, like... You know these these people who really like even amongst mutants don't fit in. You know what I mean? Like they're they're because I refuse to believe that like you know aliens that come from you know from other planets and come to be X Men or whatever like they're why do they fit into any kind of heteronormative gender binary? Like why why would they be bifurcated? Legit into, yeah, because yeah. they're in the fifties. Yeah, That's exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I want to explore some of like the the you know the conflict that would come from people who are so used to dealing with these gender binaries to having to deal with a whole team of people who are now like don't the defy x-men is interesting to me because when you really look at x-men it's a school in theory right yeah, yeah that has probably i mean just judging based on you know it's a private school in upstate yeah. new york yeah it's probably got like five or six hundred people there yeah yeah that's five or six hundred stories you could tell yeah, and they still talk about the same seven or eight at a clip. I mean, they have explored, you know, recently they've gotten better about it in the past, like, decade or so. But, I mean, it just seemed like a, um, I just, you know, especially, like, as, you know, if you were, say you were, like, a queer X or non-binary uh, mutant, and you get into Xavier School, and, and Charles picks you to be on his team, like, oh, now you're one of my X-Men. And, like, you're you're a they-them. You're like, no, I'm not an, <laughs> I'm not, like, yeah. I'm not an X-Men. Like, I'm not, I'm not a man. You know, like, you would have to, like, and part of, like, being seen is, like, not being called, like, not being misgendered. And I think that yeah. that's something that could be tackled within the mutant verse. And so, yeah, that was the X-Them thing. And then the um, the Two-Gun Kid is just this, uh, uh, I always like the idea, like, Two-Gun Kid is, uh, you know, starts off as a Kirby character. I think he has, like, three or four issues or something that goes away really quickly. And he's come back here and there, and I think he's, like, in hell currently, like, shooting. But I wanted to, like, re- <laughs> revamp... Um, uh, the... I love that we've said that somebody's from hell like twice. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I would want to go back and kind of just retell a story, and it just I just have this really interesting idea because I was like the notion of the because the, the Two Gun Kid, the original Inception, the Kirby one, um, he's this like New York lawyer who goes out to the West and like gets his ass handed to him by bandits, 
and then this old timey guy like like old prospector guy like shows him how to become like a lethal shootist and then he becomes this kind of like vigilante and i like the kind of scarlet pimpernel aspect of him where he's like this kind of dandy like proper city boy that everyone sees as like a non-threat it's almost like uh in Django. yeah yeah exactly uh, yeah what's his name yeah. not not candy uh the hair schultz yeah yeah exactly yeah you know he just seems like uh non-threatening you know he's yeah. like, oh look at this tenderfoot he's got his fancy clothes on and stuff but then at night he's like a fucking lethal assassin so i i like um i like that idea of this kind of scarlet pimpernel I uh, but I had I have it set in a slightly different time period, not modern, but not the Wild West, kind of like somewhere. Like I don't want to give too much of it away, but like it, it actually kind of all dovetails into like a weird storytelling. And I also like the idea of it um, getting weird too, like of, of this like yeah. this guy who basically just has two six guns, having to deal with things that are way beyond being able to shoot, right? You know, like because we live in a Marvel universe, right? You know, like aliens can show. Oh, what's up, his name? Uh, Hawkeye said that one time. He yeah, was, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I got a bow and arrow. I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> got, we got gods from other dimensions. Yeah. coming. I got a bow and arrow. That's kind of I love that. I love and I love the guy who's willing to like yo. Yes, there is a demon that from another dimension. That kind of Han Solo where he's yeah, like, yeah. I don't fucking know, man. Like, yeah, all right, I got a gun, I'm going to shoot at it. Like, right. I, got a, I got an arrow, I'm going to shoot at it. So, yeah, I, I kind of, I like that. Um, I like the duality, um, the kind of almost Zorro-esque Scarlet Pimpernel kind of like um, uh, alter ego that that, that, that uh, Two-Gun Kid has where he's just like, total like you know um tenderfoot but he's also this like lethal it's kind of like uh almost like daredevil in a sense a little bit but i mean you know because you look at daredevil like he's he's like unassuming lawyer yeah. blind lawyer and then he's like yeah exactly like I, I like the kind of unexpected hero sort of thing um but yeah so i had a whole i was actually working on that with uh, with a writer who passed away recently so i might revisit that but I just like kind of putting those things out in the world. I mean, I had a conversation with Tom Brevoort about the X Them thing. Oh, wow. Like he ended up tweeting back at me, and so we had a, like a little tweeting conversation. I don't I mean, I know, and I know Brevoort knows who I am. So at some point, like, and I, I might email him and be like, "Hey, man, I have these ideas. Like, is is this anything you would ever be interested in?" So, but like right now, I'm so busy with Lamano stuff that like I don't really, um, I don't know that I would have time for. Like, I don't want to pitch him and have him say yes. And then I'm like, well, crap, now I get to do two books a month yeah. instead of, you know, doing just one book a month. So, okay, and, yeah. and that's actually one thing I, I want to talk about because me and my brother, you know, we come up with ideas all the time. We're big comic fan, fans. Um, I've actually kind of gotten away from Marvel and DC, and I've been okay. reading a lot of, like, Boom and Image, which is fun okay. because there's a lot of really fresh ideas oh, with, yeah, yeah. with those imprints. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, they're, they're not IP managers. Like, Image, right. or, you know, DC and Marvel are just managing their ip at this point like because they yeah, they're, they're in the yeah. you know I, they're so big and but i also refuse to believe that success as a comic artist means that i got a movie made like i success as a comic and artist, actually if you've been seeing some of the headlines yeah <laughs> i just want to not get nothing from that yeah well i mean yeah i, I just want to make good comics like that's always been like my end goals like I, i'm a comic artist i make comic books and i would so love what the, what goes into because i mean when I was a kid, right? Yeah. And my mom bought me a... This is old. This is how old I am. Okay. When I was a kid, my mom bought me a, a How to Draw a Marvel Oh, yeah, yeah. How to Draw the Comics Marvel way. From... Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. From absolutely. the There's Scholastic Book Fair. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like, yeah, yeah. Yo, I haven't even unwrapped the, the pens and pencils. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just nice. drew them on my own pencils. I drew on my own tracing paper. Yeah. And it's funny because, like, when I do draw now, like, I, I don't draw as much as I'd like to, but... When I do draw now, I still do the circles and the, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and the... I remember I drew a comic one time, and I was I had been like probably nine or ten, and I was like, and I remember thinking this sucks. Yeah. Oh yeah. This yeah. is a lot of work. And then I didn't know about like you know like printing and stuff like that yeah, at the yeah, time. Yeah. I was like, they gotta draw all those comics like every <laughs> single one, you know. Yeah. So what goes into making a comic? Because 
if you don't really know too much about it, it's, yeah, yeah. oh, well, you just drew a bunch of pictures, right? But yeah. I, I know well, a little I mean, bit, but, like, what goes into making, like, geez, a whole book? That's a that's a, that's a a broad question. But I, <laughs> I'll start with a funny anecdote, or anecdote just because, uh, I don't know why I said that, said that so wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, and not to get name-droppy, but I, I used to work for Todd McFarlane, right? Like, um, so oh, I was yeah. there for, like, four years. We're still friendly, um, and... Uh, he knows that I do my own comic and, you know, whatever. So I went uh, went by the offices, and this is this is well after I'd, I'd worked there, but, you know, I was still in the first series of Le Mano's I was doing. And um, I was like, whenever a new issue came out, like, I would always, you know, go drop one off with Todd. And so I came by the offices, and we're there, and Todd was uh, working on um, working on some comics. Like, he was on his Cintiq, and he's, like, literally... This weird left-handed drawing he does. Uh, he's there. Oh, wait, he's left-handed? Yeah, he's left-handed. He holds his pencil, like, I'm trying to think, like, dude, like, I think he kind of holds his pencil like this, too. If you've ever watched him draw, it's insane. Uh, the only more insane person is, like, Eric Larson, that guy. Like, I, the way he holds his pencil is ridiculous. Anyway, uh, so I go there, and Todd's working on a Cintiq, and he's like, you know, oh, hey, how's it going, man? I'm like, oh, good, good. You just drop off the new Oh, very cool, you know, like, this, that. He's like, oh, man, so how, how how's all, how's your comic going, man? You know, like, asking me how my comic is going. Yeah. And I was like, um... Well, you know, Todd, comics are just one goddamn panel after another. And he, like, <laughs> stopped what he was doing, and he got this thousand-yard stare, and he's like, yeah. <laughs> like, so this, you know, at that time, this 25-year veteran of comics still feels that, like, it's just one goddamn panel after another. But uh, the real answer, I mean, yeah, so that's how you make comics. Just put one panel after the other. However, um, how Do you I draw make, first or do you write first? Uh, I write. Well, uh... So I, I work head. Marvel style with myself. So how okay. I work is, um, and this is just me, and I know other people will do full script, or some people will just start drawing. Um, uh, I kind of work Marvel style with myself. So I set an out, I set an outline with Lamano. I set an outline of the series. Like this is what the series oh, cool. is going to be. Okay. So like, and that was a that was an effect of um, I had I only had like eight pages of it when I when I went out to a con with them. And Dark Horse had seen the pages, and they're like, this looks cool, can we see the whole first issue and what you would do with the rest of the miniseries? I'm like, okay, cool, so now i got to have a plan. So, at that point, I outlined the first issue, and then I outlined the entire series. So yeah. I knew it was going to end, and I knew what that issue was going to be. And then when I did the issue, what I do is, for my outline, um, I... And with every issue, I always start with, like, where it starts and where it ends... And then I put, like, oh, well, I want these three things to happen in the middle, and then I kind of okay. arrange those. And then I kind of go, like, okay. And then I and then I thumbnail. And I get my, my thumbnails are a single sheet of... I don't have any thumbnails around here. I would grab one for you. But they're a single 8.5 by 11 um, of all 22 pages of the comic book, from the, from the first page to the 22nd page. Just like an outline, almost? Yeah, and they're, they're little, little rectangles, and they... Um, and they're, you know, the, the page, like, two and three are next to each other, you know, four and five. And mm -hmm. so I can see where the spreads are. And then I, with my outline, or with my thumbnails, I'm like, well, I know this is the first scene. And I just kind of, like, will thumbnail, like, what yeah. that first scene is. I know this is the last scene. And then I'll look at it. I'm like, well, I want these three things to happen. I go, well, how many pages is this? You know, like, I want this conversation to happen. Well, that's half of this page. And then this can happen on half of it. Well, this is going to have to be two pages because it's a fight scene. And I kind of just, like, will start, like, kind of arranging what goes where, and then once I kind of know what needs to be there, then I'll go through and I'll put, like, what the panels need to be, and little tiny thumbnail doodles hmm. of, like, where I want the people standing, what angle it's going to be, and I get that all thumbnailed out. And even in the thumbnailing, I'll sometimes make small dialogue notes, like, in the margins. Like, I'll just be like, oh, you know, he's going to say this to him here, and this, this he's going to say that, and, you know, this will be his thought bubble here, and it's just tiny little notes here, and, yeah. and it's literally just one eight and a half sheet by, eight and a half by 11. I wish I had one to show you, man, but... Um, <laughs> 
it's um it's uh, yeah so then i once i thumbnail it then i um start penciling it and i go um 11 by 17 comic book size pieces of paper and i'm a guy like i know guys who will even if they know what's going on if they have the full thumbnails they'll jump around they'll do like page one and then they'll do page like 20 and they'll do like oh i'm gonna do 10 now and then page 13 or whatever and they'll jump around uh some people like oh i want to do all the big fun stuff first and then i want to do like all the quiet moments second some people are like well i'm gonna do all the quiet stuff so that the fun stuff is like like a treat for me for having done all the boring stuff um and then I know people who like to jump around because they don't want it to look like they got rushed at the end of it, right? Because sometimes you can see the last, like, five pages. Of, you can see how oh, there's no backgrounds in the last four pages of this comic and stuff. You, Why are we in space now? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? So, um, but I, 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 I'm a guy who starts upper right or upper left, page one, and then I work my way down, and then eventually I will be bottom right, page 22. Like, and I go page one through 22, pencil, 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 every single page, then I go back ink 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 every page then i go back color 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 every page then i go back letter 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 every page on occasion like just for like advertising purposes on occasion i'll need to like get an image that like oh i'm 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 inking page three but i gotta give like a some interior pages to this website that's going to cover my story so yeah yeah, but page 25 or 20 is much better so i'm gonna i'm gonna just color ink letter that one so they have a full page to show so every so often I'll, i'll jump around for those purposes but for the most part i'm like a page page one working my way to page 22 and then i do the covers last for some stupid reason and i don't know i think it's so i know what's in the story so i know what in capital it makes sense though to yeah. kind of like i mean that's how you would well make a game or make a movie yeah right? yeah you exactly. wouldn't start with the cut co- with the poster you'd you know okay some comics just have inventory covers you know guys you know, but i'm drawing my own covers a lot of companies have different guys drawing covers and they do issues or the yeah, interior sure. of the issue so yeah, sure so yeah man so that's that's how i do it you know and so once i get to like once everything's drawn, like once everything's thumbnail, I kind of have a feeling of like how it's going to work. Occasionally, I'll change a page from thumbnail to f- actual pencil piece of art. You know, like so, um, you know, like uh, I, in the issue six of Lamano, um, I had three long um, horizontal panels for this like conversation that was happening, and I just realized it would look cooler if they were vertical panels because then like they would just be like just. Oh, there was like a lot of conversation happening. I'm like, oh, that'll be cool because then the word balloons themselves can be the panel borders. Do you put it? Do you write it in Spanish? Uh, no, I had to. Uh, I, it's like it's in English primarily, but there's a tiny bit of Spanish in there. Okay. I had to hire a translator to get the bilingual version of mine because like, my trade paperback has all six issues in English on one side and all six issues in Spanish on the other I side. Al- I always think it's cool when you watch or read something, and if it takes place in, Me- in Mexico, they're speaking Spanish. Yeah, yeah. I've always thought that that's a really cool touch. I understand why you can't really do that with a comic book. Yeah, I mean, I know... Like, honestly, in a movie, you just have subtitles, but yeah, yeah, you can't yeah. really do that in a comic where it's like... My uh, it's my like, Spanish is, is terrible. Like, I, I barely speak. You know, like, I, I can kind of get by in the only kind of... I got a friend who's from Juarez, mm-hmm. and I've known her for four years. I love her to death. Don't get me wrong. I love her to death. She's a really, really good friend of mine. And <laughs> she thinks I'm Mexican. <laughs> I've told her I'm not Mexican. For yeah, like yeah, yeah. three or four years now. She's like, no, I don't believe you. I'm like, after four years, dude. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like You're you keeping see, a secret. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, you've met my mom. And so it was, it was the funniest part, though. She's like, she she's like, you speak Spanish, though. I'm like, I don't speak Spanish. Yeah. And she's like, no, you speak. I'm like, okay, fine. I speak a little bit, but it's yeah. only like. Because I cheated off of a dude who was from Sonora in, in high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then when he got in trouble, I didn't fight, you know. Yeah, he yeah. got in trouble. They, they got in trouble because he didn't tell them that he knew Spanish already, so he's taking oh, Spanish, Spanish like, 1-2. Oh, Spanish 1-2. Oh, yeah, so he can just get an A. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, yeah, that's fine. What got him in trouble was that he, uh, 
the teacher said like, oh, this is how you say this, this, and this. And he's like, no, it's not. You say it like this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, well, no, you say it like this. And he goes, where I'm from. And then like right as he said, he's like, ah, uh, shit, yeah. And so all our grades just plummet. But I've been telling her for years, like, no, I don't speak Spanish. She's yeah. like, how come you answer my text in Spanish? Then I'm like, I go on fucking Google Translate, <laughs> and yeah, I look yeah. at what you say, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And I say what I say, and yeah. I flip it back to you. She's I like, do the thing where people will speak to me or write to me in Spanish, and I just answer in English. You know, like I'll. Uh, <laughs> It's like, because I'm not going to try, like, because my, my verb tenses are terrible, and, like, my, you know. I it's saw, a tough language, especially, like, like what what lost me was, I, I was pretty much up, and I was like, all right, cool, this makes sense, mm-hmm. and then when they're like, now vosotros, I'm like, you fucking lost me. No vosotros. I mean, that's, that's like, <laughs> Spain Spanish. I'm on ustedes, what, yeah. I, ustedes, too, and I, yeah, yeah. I think that's what ruined is, because they were speak they were teaching us. I actually Spanish, had a guy like recently, because we were talking about, because the thing I get a lot of grief for is that my comic is called La Mano de Destino, and a lot of people who only took, like, Spanish in high school don't like, they, they're like, oh, it should be uh, El Mano, because it's a masculine word. I'm like, no, it's La Mano. Like, I don't know why there's an exception to it. But um, I was talking to a guy about the why that's an exception, and um, which I don't fully understand, but I just know that it is La Mano. <laughs> but, um, Language is weird. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, basically. we have all of our I before E rules, and then it's like, well, then there's this word and that word, and it doesn't really apply. So, but, um, there, uh, what was I forget I was going to say, uh, La Mano, Spanish, or, fuck, I totally lost. Exception, La Mano, uh, uh yeah, man, I, I think I, I think but I lost. you said you were talking to a guy Oh, about, yeah, yeah, but yeah. he was explaining to me the specificity of vosotros and why it actually does work, but, like, I, um, I, it made, it made more sense to me than just that I don't, like, that's not a thing I, 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 I don't mess with, but, like, once he explained, I'm like, okay, maybe there's some validity to vosotros, but, um, but I'm not, I'm, I'm an ustedes. Well, okay, it's funny, yeah. too, because I got friends from the UK, and, like, yeah. we'll talk about things in English and Spanish, like, well, you spell things weird. Yeah. But, yeah, My, uh, but, like, we all fucking spell things weird, like... Yeah, we... yeah. Well, that that just has to, like, when dictionaries got written, because the English was still pretty malleable when, like, when the printing press was invented, yeah. and, like, once dictionaries started happening, there was, like, you know, um, different ways to spell things, and, like, we codified it by printing our dictionaries, and then, like, now this is the way to spell check, and this is the way to spell, you know... Um, yeah color color and then uh england didn't get around till it till like a little later and so they were like well we're gonna spell color with the u but like my um yeah like my daughter lives in in london and she's she's taken to 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 saying you know like she'll she'll still tell me sometimes like oh man it was 30 degrees here and i'm thinking oh that must have been cold like oh no no that was hot as hell like you know 30 degrees is is, is toasty (laughs) i Um, send my friends like oh man you are so hot here i gotta send it to them in celsius like how do you live there yeah i don't know um (laughs) yeah yeah exactly i mean but they had their little heat spell recently that like really messed them up but um yeah man so i i just uh i I do the whole like kind of chewbacca thing where they talk to me in spanish and i answer in english you know it's like they're they're speaking to me i mean like not, not you know but i'm just like uh, I just don't have enough command of the language to be able to write it in Spanish, I so I had to hire uh, this like academic translator to translate everything. So you've mentioned that you know this is a Chicano book, yeah, yeah. and you've mentioned like, hey, I could talk to artists in you know Milan or in uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Manila, and you mentioned that your daughter's in London. So it sounds yeah. there's a pretty international. What do you see as far as like international comics? Obviously, we have Alan yeah. Moore, who's who's British, and yeah, yeah. But like, what do you see coming out soon? And you know, we already talked about manga a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Do you see like you know, there's a big rise in I don't know, just throwing out there, like Brazilians or I mean, there's a lot of good South American uh, small publishers who are kind of getting a little more um, a little more recognition, you know. And these are guys who are like one or two people operations that have just oh, been wow. putting out like. Um, you know, putting out fun books and they're winning like awards and stuff. And so I, I feel like some of that's going to be 
a little more popular in America, maybe, but definitely internationally. Like I think they're they're making. Well, I mean, there's gotta be. I know there's always that language barrier, but like you said, you hire just, a translator. Yeah, you can translate yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, like nowadays, I think the uh, ability to get translated into any language. Like there's an Italian version of Lamano that 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 That's happened. Awesome. Yeah, and it's like you know, I just. They handle all of that. Like, I just sell my rights, and I give them blank pages over to my Italian publisher. I think that's the craziest thing about yeah. the world that we live in now, and I'm way too young to be saying things like the world we live in now. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I was just looking at... I, I didn't know. So they, they updated the, the podcast app that I use, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, hey, do you want to see your analytics? And I was like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to me, podcasting, and, like, when I do write, you know, I, I've written, like, you know, lyrics and stuff like that, I, I feel the same way you do, where yeah, it's yeah. like, I just want to do something cool, so I did something. Yeah, yeah. But it is interesting to see, like, oh, man, like, eventually I would, like, yeah, make yeah, this a full-time thing. Yeah, yeah, people start showing up for it, and then you're like, oh, okay. It's like- so I'm looking at the analytics, and it was, like, United States. I'm like, oh, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. And then it said Ireland and Belgium. I was like, nice. What? Who the fuck are y'all? Are y'all listening to this? Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I like, mean, I, I get It's to, so weird how, like, that reaches, because, like, I, I, yeah. there's no way that you expected, hey, I'm going to have to do it. Well, Italian once you make a thing, it, like, it has its own life. Yeah. Like, that's, that's the weird thing, is, like, so, you know, originally I was, like, self-publishing my own books, and so I kind of sold almost everyone who owned one of my comics. It had come for me, yeah. for the most part. You know, maybe there was people here and there who had got them at stores I dropped them off at, or whatever. But, um, but then the image, I mean, well, then the Kickstarter version of it happened, and I was getting, like, orders all over the, the country, but I didn't have... In international shipping, so I, you know, I, I, I didn't have to. I, I, I didn't really get to, you know. And again, I'm still sending everything out. So, uh, but then the, you're just looking at the shipping costs. You're like, yeah. Oh, I don't well, know then, about that, man. then the uh, then image picked up a version of it. We did the Whoa. the Top Cow image version came out with the yes, original, Top yeah. Cow is an imprint. Yes, yeah. I was and so how and then that happened, and then it's like now I have people coming to me at shows that I've never met or I've never mailed them anything or whatever. I'm like, they're like, oh yeah, you know, I, I just stumbled across your book at this that the other thing. I mean, so there's. Cool. Yeah, and once it has a li- once that happens, then it's just like a whole other world of like, oh yeah, like there's people in you know whatever country who are fans of mine now, and that that still blows my mind. But um, but yeah, it, it's just cool to know that like we live in a a time where that can just happen outside your control. Like you don't have to. I didn't have to like hand sell. It's like stuff when and, you hear like, oh yeah, this song like blew up huge in Japan, and you're like, yeah, yeah, it's okay. like. I you know I I don't really try to do the back math on how it ended up there, but I'm like cool, you know like. There's a um, there's a couple of uh, I've had more than a few people come to me and go oh yeah my my teacher teaches your your book in my class you know in their college class and so uh, and I should say that really? I I did um, I did that book La Voz de Mayo for Top Cow uh, that was written by Henry Barajas it was uh, Henry it's a an account of Henry's great grandfather who was a civil rights activist in Tucson in the 60s and 70s. Oh, wow. He got the Pascoyaki tribe recognized by the federal government there, which was the last tribe. Are you from here? You're from Arizona? No, I'm from California. Okay, okay. um, But Henry, uh, you know, had this this passion for, like, the the Yaki getting recognized as a federal tribe and all this stuff. And so we did this book um, about it, and there's all this great, like, back matter stuff on that, and that came out through Top Cow and Image. And that is a book that they sell in the Smithsonian. Uh, Whoa. So you, you can go to the Smithsonian in Washington to see their little bookstore there, and they have La Voz de Mayo there, which is cool, which is something I didn't really realize I wanted until it happened. I'm like, oh, that's, that's great. But I now have people who will tell me, like, oh, um, I read your book in my college course. And I'm like, oh, La Voz de Mayo, thinking it's this, like, culturally significant, you know, uh, account of civil rights in, in Tucson in the 60s and 70s. I'm like, no, Lamano, and I'm like, my wrestling book? Like, are you, are you kidding me? So that that's been a weird thing too. So I mean, I, I knew that academia was kind of um, a, a, an option for like the the Lavo's book that I did with Henry, 
but I didn't realize that like these like kind of Latino literature courses would glom oh, onto yeah. something like like La Mano de Latino, like this this dumb um, wrestling. I mean, it's not. Dumb. I mean, it, it is. Well, the word I, I've been using more often is like silly. Yeah, silly. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's a silly not, wrestling book. It's, yeah. a, it's a dude in mask beating on each other. But I I think that those kind of underpinnings of like kind of cultural significance that I put in there are being kind of sussed out we by these academics. It, in, in in black culture, we call it black boy joy. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, or, you know, you also see black girl magic and, you know, there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's going to be more terms soon, but like, that's kind of what we call it is like, because what I called it, what I, what I called it, cause I saw some dude on Twitter say this, he called it, um, black pain porn movies. Oh, Jesus. So when you yeah. talk about like, Oh, Dude, America is obsessed. Color purple. Yeah, yeah. Like, 12 Years a Slave. It's like, listen, are these movies important? Yes. But Am I going to go watch them? No, dude. But you risk creating a mono-narrative for your entire culture. So it's like, if you're a black dude who has a dad who's with your mom and you're living in the suburbs or something, it's like, you don't, you no longer have a valid black experience because it's not what people see. Yeah, like well, the, that's not how it was in Boys yeah, in the Hood. Yeah, you, need, it's yeah, like, you no. need the broken home where you're just with your mom. That's why, like, yeah. to me, like, one of my favorite black movies is Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, uh, the, that can happen anywhere. They just happen to be in the hood. Yeah, yeah. And but there are some very, are, yeah. yeah, there are some very hood things that happen there. Yeah, but like, yeah. that, uh, if you've ever seen Dope. Yeah, I love Dope. Oh, dude, dude that dope. movie to me is, it's one of my favorite I, movies. I no said, uh, dude, so I saw that in the theaters and I was like, yeah, um, I was like, Dope is a, uh, and the guy from uh, the Wu-Tang documentary was in there. The, yeah, yeah, Shimi, yeah, yeah, Shimi yeah. Moore. That is yeah, the yeah. most L.A. movie I've ever seen. Dude, too. I'm from L.A., so like, I, I love that about it, but I, I always told people, or my description of the movie goes, it's boys in the hood for people who know that boys in the hood exist. Like, it, it has like the weird meta-narrative of like, that little argument he has about like loving like 90s music, and he goes, man, that shit came out in the 80s, and like, well, yeah, like, I was fucking, like, like, yeah, that, that fucking full-out thug guy is giving him a lecture on like hip-hop history. Yeah. He's like, yo, it, man, that didn't come out till 89, and that shit didn't happen until 2001. You know, like, Fucking like that was uh, that shit was great and that movie was fantastic. And, and the, the cool thing about LA to me is like I'm I'm there a lot. I, mm. I'm actually going in a few months or no really? next month. Oh, geez, I was just but, there last weekend. But yeah. but the reason why I love LA so much, there's a couple reasons. Like I love that like you can go anywhere and there's always something. Yeah, happening. yeah. But one thing that I've seen is like because I'm usually up in Hollywood or Koreatown as far okay. as like where I stay, just because I my. I know people, but they're in, like, Pasadena. Gotcha. I'm not going yeah, yeah. all the way to the valley for that shit. You know, uh, is, Pasadena's the edge of the valley, but it is... I'm not, it's far enough where if I'm going to, like... So here's my thing, dude. I When I go to L.A. now, I go to Pasadena, because I'm from um, uh, North Orange County. Like, I'm... I guess I'm from Orange County, but it's, like, whatever you're thinking about Orange County, literally is like, far from me... Like, Santa Ana, Carson, kind of, Cypress. Like... So oh, Cypress, okay. Literally right up against L.A. County. Like, my junior high, I could look down the street and see L.A. County. Like, there's okay. the river... Like, the other side of that river is L.A. County. Like, I, the, the Orange County High School of the Arts is at Los Alamitos High School. When I rode my bike to get there, I literally rode on the county line yeah. between L.A. and Orange County. Like, if I, if I was on the right side of the street, I was in L.A. County. If I was on the left side of the street, I was in Orange County. That's how fucking close I was. So, and, you know, it's up there by, you know, like, Hawaiian Gardens and shitholes like that. I mean, and not to say that I grew up particularly rough or it was, like, shitty or anything, but, like, um, I definitely was not in Laguna or Newport or any of that bullshit. Yeah, this yeah. is yeah, this is yeah, yeah. I feel you. So this um, isn't the OC. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean that existed, but like way far away from where I live. But and, and genetically, like I'm more East Coast than anything, because like my family was all in like Montebello and Pico Rivera. But so I normally will stay in. Um, I like being by the water, so I would normally yeah. stay like in Seal Beach, which is like the last Orange County beach before you get to LA County. Um, but getting into like a into Hollywood for meetings and stuff is is kind of a pain in the ass. 
And then I had a thing not that long ago at this place in Pasadena. Um, this like it's uh, it's an all luchador store uh, called Republic of Luchador. Oh, uh, who yeah, runs yeah. it? It's uh, that's the Lucha Bros. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, the, yes. Yeah, I've been meaning to go out there. Oh, I gotta go out there. It's next fucking month. great. They sell my comic there. It's it's fantastic. Oh, really? Really? Yeah, yeah. And so I was doing a, a signing there, or I was uh, doing a little convention thing there. Pentagon Junior was my favorite oh, wrestler in, uh, uh, in Lucha Underground. I got to that's meet him. That's my and, fucking and, guy. Uh, and um, Ray Phoenix. No, Thunderosa. Oh, really? Was there. Yeah. Oh, she's fucking adorable. Yeah, she's great in person. Uh, yeah. So okay, um, cool. But I, yeah, they were both there doing a signing when I was. Doing doing one of the like i've done a bunch of things there because the guy who manages it like loves me uh like he just he loves my comic he loves like we did this uh, we did some panels there during our little convention thing there and it was like he was just like kind i didn't of, know that was all the way out in pasadena it's uh, south pasadena okay so okay. i but i stayed in pasadena so like um and then i also had like uh some la shit to do with like some some meetings i had to take and so um i'm like well this time i don't want to don't want to be in in seal beach drive to South Pasadena yeah, for the yeah. night to then come back to Seal Beach and then have to drive to, like, Hollywood. So that's like an hour. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it can be, depending on, I mean, 45 on a good day, but um, but it's yeah. never a good day. Yeah, exactly. So, um, <laughs> I just stayed in Pasadena that time. Did my thing in South Pasadena. It took me, like, two minutes to get there. Yeah. Had to run into, like, Hollywood for a meeting and stuff. It took me, like, 15 minutes to get there. And I, like, got in and out, no problem. Like, oh, I'm doing this every time. Cause, like, yeah, yeah, that's why I said, yeah. so the first time I went to L.A., I went for a mu- to a music, well, first time in years I went to L.A., I went for a music festival. Yeah. And it was this guy in L.A., but or in uh, Hollywood, um, near-ish to Silver Lake. Okay. Like Echo Park-ish. Yeah, okay. Um, so, but if you're in Silver Lake or Echo Park, you're already up near Pasadena. Exactly, anyway. yeah, yeah. yeah. And so for me, it wasn't that bad, but it was like, <laughs> it was like a, a, a yard, basically. It was like, yeah, yeah. you know, like kind of like that across the street, but it was like a yard. Yeah, yeah. And he just built a bunch of lean-tos, and he's like, oh, okay. 50 bucks a night for an Airbnb. Oh, jeez. In the pictures, I'm like, oh, that's beautiful. And then when I yeah. got there, I'm like, whatever. Yeah, Like, yeah. I was in the Army at the Dude, time, I, and I was like, I've slept on worse. I stayed, uh, I had a meeting one time. I was on my way to, um, I was on my way to San Jose for a convention, and uh, I had a meeting with uh, someone in the, right by the Palladium in Hollywood. Yeah. So, like, you know, just fucking Hollywood, Hollywood-ass Hollywood. So, I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to stay near there because I don't want to have to cross town. I just want to go to my meeting and get the fuck on my way. And so, I stayed at this um, hotel slash youth hostel that's right on Sunset. Jeez. Oh, I know, yeah. I know what you're talking, you know what I'm talking about. about? Yeah. It's like, yeah, you, see, it's like... Um, it's just a, it's like just twenty year olds hooking up, dude. And I'm like, you know, in my forties, just trying to get some sleep. And they're like, yo, man, we're having like a little barbecue. If you want to come out and join, I'm like, nah, dude, you guys have your fun. Like, I had a, I had a private room that had three beds in it too. And I'm like, this is just total like youth hostel. And I, it was funny as I mentioned it to other people who've like stayed at that exact hotel because it seems like a hotel. And then you get there and it's just youth hostel. And it's just, and it's just all like they get the courtyard like in the like you pull into the courtyard to park and then that courtyard is where. Like, they literally have, like, they were doing, like, ping pong and barbecuing, and, like, it's just a bunch of 20-year-olds from all different countries just hooking up, and, uh, anyway. Which is cool, but it's, like, this it's, isn't quite what it's, I'm looking dude, for Dude, right as a 40-something, like, <laughs> and at that point, I think I was, like, maybe 42 or 43 at the time, and I'm, like, I just want to sleep, man. Like, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't need 20-year-olds having their little, you know, discotheque dance number going on. Because, I mean, and especially Eurodisco. because it's, like, almost always, like, Eastern European. Yeah, yeah, no, it was. So it's, like, like, hardcore, like, just, like, just, like, Euro EDM. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, it was that going on outside. And, um, but they were, I mean, they were nice. And everyone was super nice. Oh, yeah, no, no, super I mean, these, like, nice. These, like, but... gorgeous 20-year-old dudes are just like, hey, man, you want to come hang out? And I'm like, I'm not standing anywhere near you, dude. Like, that's, that's going to not, that's not going to help my self-esteem at all. So, um, but they were very welcoming. Um, but, uh, Man, I don't even know how we got. I was in I was in Sweden for a little bit, um, and this girl, beautiful, like, she's like, "Hey, man, so there's a there's a party 
and it said, uh, like, like, do you want to come with? And I was like, oh, yeah, where's it at? And she's like, it said, uh, abandoned church. I'm like, yo, excuse me? Yeah. She's like, yeah, we call it Sunday school. And the back of my mind was like, bro, you are going to get kidnapped there. <laughs> and then the rest of my mind was like, fucking do it. Yeah, yeah. Why not? And then I was like, and I was with, but it was a family church. So I was like, hey, Ma, what do you think about this church? She's like, are you fucking stupid? <laughs> You're going to get fucking kidnapped there. And I was like, yeah. ah, shit. I just, what a way to go, man. Yeah, like, that would have been a fun time. If you're going to go. Yeah, it might if as you're well. going to go. But, um, fuck, what were we talking, how did we talk about LA? Just LA. Like, well, so, we so, um, oh, yeah, yeah, just so, being out there. Yeah. yeah, anyway, um. Dope. That's actually how I got there. Yeah, we were talking about that. But yeah, like that movie, we were talking about, that's what we were talking about. So, um, I think, you know, there was that risk of kind of a mono narrative of fixing itself to like a black experience in America. But I think things like Dope have done a good job of kind of expanding that beyond just this inner it, city kind of... Which, uh, the crazy thing, it is. Yeah. But the, the coolest thing, so I went to Camp Flognal, which is Tyler the Creator's festival. Okay, yeah. And yeah. it really blew my mind and kind of made me fall in love with L.A. just because, mm-hmm. like, the hood dudes were there yeah, because yeah. it was in South Central. First of all, hey, everyone from L.A. lied to us by telling yeah. us that, like, USC was like... Oh, you know, in Pasadena, no. USC's campus is in the hood, bro. They don't tell you that. Yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't stray too <laughs> that far. That is in from South the, Central, because yeah. that was the Exposition Park. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And so, like, when we went there, like, it was me and a homie of mine, he was like, yo, South Central's right there. I just, uh, we were staying, and um, we were on, what were we on? Broadway and 9th uh, downtown, and uh, which is, it's just fine. I mean, it's like, you know, you're, you're like... Yeah, we could have been a little more toward like the Bonaventure or whatever, you know. But we yeah. were like, we were, you know, we were like a, a minute away from the venue we wanted to be, and we're right by the Fashion District and stuff. But yeah. we uh, getting on the freeway the next day, we had to go like you know past Skid Row and then into South Central to jump on MLK to jump on the freeway. And I'm like, yeah, man, on MLK, and like, and it's just a fu- like that's the thing about LA. It's like it's just a place, you know what I mean? It is. Like it's and like that, that's why I realized too because I went to a uh, burrito place in Crenshaw. Yeah, yeah. And then they were like, hey, what's up? And I was yeah, like, like, oh, cool. fine, yeah. But that's why, I think that's why I love Dope so much is because, like, when I went to this festival, we had all the queer kids hanging out with all, like, the hood, like, oh, yeah, super yeah. hood, like, yo, that yeah, dude's yeah. got something, like, got stuff on him right now. And it was yeah. just like, yeah, we don't. Like, going to Koreatown, I walked in and, the, like, sat at the bar and I was watching this fight, watching the fights. Mm-hmm. And this guy's like, what's up, man? Yeah. And that was it. It was just super easy, yeah, super they're, chill. They're I'm just, like, a, oh, I mean, you know, there are, there are places, you know, definitely, you know, like times a day. City. Yeah, exactly. But it's like. My family's from Chicago. I love. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. love like my family's from Chicago, and they're like, "Oh, LA's dangerous, like Mama." <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, honestly, people who have problems with LA, I'm like, "Good, stay out." There's too many people there anyway. Like, just just yeah, stay away. But um, it, what I was gonna say though about the that risk of the mono narrative is that um, in uh, you know, one of the things I talk about in the back matter of the mono is that like, like the mono narrative that's getting affixed to like Mexican America or Mexican Americans or Chicanos or Mexico in general is um. Americans have a weird obsession with Mexican violence and poverty, you know, and and it was, uh, you can't do anything kind of quote-unquote real or authentic when it comes to that space without talking about cartels and that kind of violence and stuff, and I, in my comic was just pushed back against that, like, I, I wanted to tell a story that, like, you know, that, that is beyond kind of this, this one narrow little aspect of, like, Mexican life, you know, and, and, and kind of shattering the mono-narrative of, of, like, the entirety of Mexican existence being about, like, living with the cartels or living with the, the poverty, like these like dusty pueblos that like dudes come in and start beheading people. And so, um, yeah, man, it's I, funny because on one hand, like Mexico, you know, all the cartels, bro. Yeah. yeah. But dude, you've been at Rocky point the past four spring breaks. Yeah. And but, they just held a fucking F one race but it's in also Mexico like, if city. You, what are you talking if about? If you like? only showed the shitty things that happened in America, you would think that it was like a completely lawless and violent place as well. I mean, like we got people shooting up people all the time 
in America. But I got somehow, friends in the yeah. UK and they're like, what the fuck is wrong with your country? Yeah, like, exactly. So much, yeah, yeah. but also like... And we want to be like, oh, they're beheading people south of the border. Yeah, they're shooting up schools north of the border. What are you yeah. talking about? Like, we're... We're just as fucked up. So I, I, I just wanted to offer up... Canada like, seems okay. Yeah, I mean, they've got some fucking issues. <laughs> they do, but... Like, they just dug up, like, a yeah, oh my graves God, Holy shit, shit, I yeah. forgot about that. Exactly, come on, I mean, like... Canada does pretty good with, like, rebranding. They're like, oh, yeah, man, yeah. that was crazy, wasn't it? Anyway, yeah, 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 you guys exactly. see this bear cub? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah they, they, they've got some fucking issues, too. But, I mean, it, it, it's just... um I just wanted to, like push back against a mono narrative. I, I, I think that, that I think that's how stereotypes happen and even I even love though, that you're doing it in the sixties too. Yeah. I mean it, I to me that. that was like the golden age of the luchador too. It's like, you know, like that El Santo the time when you know Blue Demon and Mil Mascaras they're all making movies and like they just had that swanky uh sheen to everything they did it was like super modern and stuff and that 60s style is like weirdly timeless too. Yeah, yeah. That kind of mid century modern. Yeah. I, I that's that's kind of what I wanted to 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 delve into and I, I you know I'm going to see one panel of a luchador getting out of a muscle car and be like, yes, Dude, this is the one for me. <laughs> I, I've decided recently, like, we were, so I went to a, a Lucha Libre show in L.A. when I was there this past weekend. Lucha, uh, I'm guessing Lucha Vavum. Lucha Vavum, Vavum, yeah. Yes! This is, like, number 12 for me. At 12 or 13, I can't remember which, but I've, I've been The burlesque it. wrestling, I was like, Dude, it's such, it's such a great show. I highly recommend that in, to anyone, but... um. <laughs> Uh, before the show comes on, they have like movie screens and that they're playing just random like Lucha Libre movie clips, and they they used to have the same clips I've seen over and over again. But this year they updated and there were different movies I hadn't seen before, and in them they had clips of different like Lucha Lucha Libre movies, and I'm like, oh dude, I gotta I gotta draw a Luchador on a motorcycle like an old '60s motorcycle like that's gonna happen. I gotta draw a Luchador in a in a dune buggy in like oh, a 60s dune go. buggy yeah. and uh, what was the other thing I saw like but there's a couple like little scenes I'm like oh, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm aping those for like little scenes in my book but like yeah they're for sure happening Um, but uh, yeah I mean I that that period where they were just fucking rock stars in, in Mexico like, and that's the weird thing too is cause like when you think of Lucha Libre in a, as an American you only think of Nacho Libre yeah which I, I'll defend is a good movie yeah yeah it's no, it's a good movie. There, there's a lot that, like, rewatching. I'm like, okay, this probably isn't, like, super, well, so super cool, but, like, there's other stuff that I'm like, this is so... So here's the I, thing. This I do why, enjoy it. I, I enjoy it. I, I love the movie. Uh, and as a Luchador fan, as a Chicano, A, without Jack Black, the movie doesn't get made. So, like, the casting of a non-Mexican as a Luchador, like, I get that, but he's also only supposed to be half Mexican in the movie, so... But... <laughs> I didn't know that. Every other person in that movie is, a, like, a legit Latino or Mexican actor, actress, comedian. The whole rest cool. of the cast... okay, that like, changes a lot for me, Putting actually. people to work, right? Mexican, you know, the whole Mexican cast gets to, gets to star. Was it shot in Mexico? Uh, I don't know me? where they shot it, actually. Uh, the guy who plays Ramses was a legit, legit like, wrestler. Uh, he just passed away fairly, fairly recently. Also, well, who was he? Was he like, uh, a biggest name? I'd or? have to know. He was kind of a minor guy. Okay. Uh, but um, also, the whole movie's kayfabe. Like he's a wrestler who wants to win, and they treat the wrestling as real. Wrestling. I do love yeah. that. I do love that. I do love that. Dude, there's no winking and nod. He's like, he legit, and he wants to win. Like that's his whole motivation is he wants to win so he can help out orphans. And he's like, it's not about him solving crimes. It it's reminded not about him me being of a... uh, King from Tekken. Cause yeah, I, yeah. Because King runs an orphanage. Exactly. Like he's just... he's also arguably the best character. Oh, I like it. Yeah, yeah. Like... <laughs> but he's. Uh, uh, I just I drew I just did a drawing of him fairly recently um, for a like, Kickstarter back. Let me see if I can pull this up while we're talking. But um, he. Uh, yeah, so the the movies, you know, the whole movie's kayfabe. Also, even though they kind of live like in a small town, they show affluent parts of that. They go to Ramsey's house and it's like really nice, opulent house. Yeah, they go yeah. to like nice places. They, it's not this shithole, dusty brown. That and they, it, even though it is a small town, it never feels like a shithole. You're right. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it feels like a small town. It just feels like a small town, and then that's like, 
the respect they give to like the bright vibrance of like the the, the costume he wears, even like the things in the church, like. They, yeah, you're right. You're right. Really, okay, like, yeah, you, they, you totally turn, turn me they, on. They, uh, it, it's a it's a good movie, and it's it, it's more, um, it is more respectful to my culture. And I guess there's the the kind of I guess perceived insult of having a non Mexican play like Nacho, but again, without without Jack Black, that movie doesn't get made. Yeah. So he had to be in there. But um, I uh, uh, hold on. Oh, there he is. Um, right? Isn't that the thing from Tekken? Right. Oh yeah, yeah. I love that. That's so awesome. uh, yeah, that came out pretty dope. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so that's why I, I will, I'll go to bat for Nacho Libre. And it's a fun, funny fucking movie. It is a fun, that's the thing that I, I like about it is that it is fun. There's not a ton of, like, like, really heavy-handed. Yeah, yeah. And it, there's, get that corn out of my face and wearing so stretchy dude, pants I've got, look, fun. there's Nacho on my desk holding his corn. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I love, like, I love that movie, like, unapologetically. And I know, like... I'll argue, you turn me on. I didn't know that. I'll argue with anybody over the fact, and it, honestly, and it's shot fucking beautifully. There are some really. I gotta rewatch it. Yeah. I gotta rewatch it. Because like when it, he, it's been um, a while. when he, uh, from what I remember, there's a lot of good stuff in it. When he catches fire, and then they find out he has his tights on under his robes, and then he has to cop to being Nacho, and then he like he walks away. It was a really great tracking shot of him walking away. He cuts into slow mo. He puts his mask on. It's like. Fucking beautiful My shot. The said, wrestling on that is shot beautifully as well. I need to rewatch the wrestling. Yeah. Did, did you see a CM Punk? He did a breakdown of all the wrestling. No, no. In movies. I have to check it out. There, it's very. It's CM Punk, so yeah, it's yeah. very tongue in cheek, very sarcastic. Yeah, yeah. And um, but he talks about Nacho Libre at one point. Yeah, yeah. And like he, it's weird because you know you were saying that it's it's done in kayfabe yeah, yeah. with you know yeah with CM Punk it's like that weird mix that he's so good at so he's yeah. like. Is he counting his own pin? <laughs> like yeah, it's yeah. little things like that, and I'm like, okay, this. Yeah, guy. there's a there's a little bit of um because it's kayfabe. They they take some liberties with like how some of the wrestling happens, but it is shot beautifully. Like it looks really good in there. Yeah, the the, it the does. wrestling itself is maybe. I like the arena the arena shots that I remember. It felt very. It felt like when you watch a lot of Mexican wrestling, yeah. and I say Mexican wrestling because not all of it is lucha. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But when you watch. A lot of Mexican wrestling outside of like triple uh, triple mania, yeah. it is very like it feels almost claustrophobic. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Hey man, like, there's really? a lot of people in this fucking building. There's, dude. Uh, I mean, dude, like Arena Mexico is just like it is like those seats are so, so steep. Like, I think what is Arena Mexico? It holds like more than a hundred thousand people. Like, it's a big ass arena and it's a tiny fucking building. <laughs> it's all almost straight up, dude. Like, and apparently at Arena Mexico, like you. Like you, you're all you always feel like you're like ringside. Like no matter what level you're on, it's like you're on top of the ring. So, um, yeah, it'd be really interesting. Like let me let me see what uh, the, the capacity of. Well, Boyle Heights went in Lucha Underground. They yeah, said yeah. that it was like hot in there, and I yeah. used to think, oh, they're just saying that. And then like the more I watch, I'm like, no, I think it might be like legit hot with yeah, like just yeah. a bunch of bodies in there. Let me see. Man, I want to go to one of those so bad, man. I oh yeah, I, I well, so I knew bad. those people. They were gonna invite me, and and I uh, it just I never got around to it. I'm and shocked then... that that hasn't made some sort of comeback. Yeah, I mean, no, no, with Hulu yeah. and, and Netflix and everybody, everyone that was involved got bigger in the short oh, term after that. So it's only sixteen thousand five hundred people, but it's like it's a tiny building that holds sixteen thousand people. Like it's it's nuts. It's but, not like um, uh, Footprint Center. That yeah, was yeah, like exactly. 20, I mean, it's like yeah, those and those. Yeah, exactly. It's it's almost as many people and probably half the space. Like that's how on top of the ring you are. I love it. But also, like, there's things in in Nacho Libre, like that. If I ever got to make a movie out of my stuff, like I, there, there's shit I would just steal from there, like the way they shoot stuff. <laughs> it's like they did some really. Like, there's a really cool thing when whenever people are like squaring off in the ring, he like the camera kind of circles around them, and then like right as they lock up, 
like the camera does like a smash zoom in on them and it has like it has like a really good hit to the every and I'm like I'm I'm stealing that. There is a lot of impact in that. Yeah, yeah. the only thing that I've liked better as far as the shooting and even then it's not really even the action. Yeah, it kind of is, but in uh, Creed. Oh, there's yeah, that yeah. in the first Creed. There's something super dope where every time they introduce a character, yeah. it does that like, it just makes that noise of like, Poof, yeah, and then it stops and it shows everything like a fight poster. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, that's so fucking sick. Yeah, I definitely would be stealing the kind of like you know baseball card stat. Yeah, yeah they, they do yeah, that in yeah. Nacho Libre as well. Like they, they do. do. Yeah, 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 you're so right, you're right, you're right. It's yeah. a little, uh, it's a little simpler than I think than Creed, but it's like, but it is like I, yeah, you I, know what, you might, I think you. I love on this watch podcast it again, man. when yeah. people flip me on things because yeah, yeah. I think I'm gonna watch it tonight. It's, yeah, watch it again, dude. It's a it's a good movie. My dad said that he saw it. Um, he was flying from somewhere and he they only had the Spanish version of Nacho Libre. Yeah. And so it said Nacho Libre, and then in the subtitles it said Super Nacho. Oh, nice. And so he's like, so they put the the, the Spanish subtitles in English. He's like, yeah. I got really confused. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. Are we wrapping this up? It sounded like you were. No, uh, no, 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 no. Yeah. If it, I mean that. If you listen, man, we I don't have a limit. I can go. Okay. I can go all day, um, or we can do a part two. Because we can definitely feel, do a part two. I, I, like I just have to. Um, it, it is my wife's birthday, and I do have. Oh, to, happy birthday! Oh, dude, no, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, if I would have known it was no, today, totally fine. I just have to. Um, uh, I, I also would like. I probably should eat some food at some point today. So, <laughs> and so yeah. is there anything that you want to plug? Anything that you? Um, wanna... I mean, just you know, if you want to check my book out, you can just it, the Image Comics version is is available everywhere: Barnes and Noble, uh, Amazon. Awesome. Uh, you can just Google search Lamano del Destino, uh, you know, comic. Look under shopping. You'll, there's plenty of options. It's out there in the world. So cool. check that out. Buy some of those if you can. Um, did you have any questions you wanted to ask me before we wrap up here? Is there well, anything you know? You know what? This is this is the way that I like to do it. I like okay. to do it where it is. Um, it it is a kickback because okay. the thing is, what I tell people all the time with certain things is like with, with this podcast, the way I do it, mm-hmm. I don't do very much editing. I rarely okay. edit because. This is a conversation. Oh yeah, yeah. And the fact that it's that we've got you have you might know how, how long we've been yeah, here. Yeah, coming up on two hours, but it's yeah, fine. yeah. It's and fine. but the, that's the yeah. Thing I mean, that, and like, honestly, the fact that yeah, you yeah. can talk to somebody for two yeah, hours yeah. and it's not an interview. I tell people all the time, I'm not trying to gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to trap you. This isn't that. This is just like, hey, I met somebody dope. Do you want to hear me talk to somebody dope that I just happened to uh, meet? Like, um, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, I, mean, I can talk for like four hours, except, you know. Yeah, let's if, do a part two yeah, sometime. We definitely do part two, for sure. I mean, you got, you, got, you know how to get a hold of me now. So just, yeah, yeah, let's do a part two. So, so yeah, yeah. where can they follow you? That's kind uh, of the just last a, question. You know, I'm, I'm down to just Twitter and Instagram now. So Twitter, um, uh, Lamano Comic, it's just L-A-M-A-N-O Comic. Uh, and then on Instagram, I'm J Gonzo Art, letter J Gonzo Art, all one word. Cool, so, yeah, awesome. follow me there, yeah. So, hey, guys, as always, I appreciate you. Appreciate you listening. Um, I appreciate you listening to these. We've had a couple, like, big episodes, too, and I love that. And I super appreciate you talk, taking right, the time to talk with good. me. Yeah, yeah. Happy birthday, Gonzo's wife. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, All right. Hey, guys, thanks for listening. Peace.